Welcome to the Story Mode Podcast. I'm your host that can boast the most roast, Jesse Munroast. Munro, whatever. <laughs> Good enough. And I'm joined by a singular fellow. Okay, we only need one. The power of one here. Broderick Godin. Oh, I love that. I loved it. That was the, good. The, the, the R, you told me you were going to do it with the... Go, go, I can't do it. The Gordes, but the... I rolled the, the wrong We one. got both. I mean, it was beautiful. I loved it. I do it. I For some reason, I can't pronounce your name properly. I think it's a mixture of my lisp and like my... Nobody mumbles. can. It's been my curse my entire life. It's it's not Broderick necessarily. Once people see it written down in particular, it's like, it's straightforward enough. Everyone knows Matthew Broderick. It's fine. Gordes, no one ever, ever gets right. It's Gords or Gordies. In fact, when I was... I was really little, I sent in these pictures I drew of Hey Hey It's Sad Day to Hey Hey It's Sad Day and it made it onto the show and they showed them like they were on TV and stuff like that and Gords or Gordies is what they settled on. Like they just, no one ever gets it right. So I like to say it rhymes with gorgeous. Gordus, gorgeous. It's the- I tried that last one And you show. just said gorgeous, gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. <laughs> Which wasn't terrible. I'll take that too. Yeah, it's still good. What were these drawings you sent through? They were like okay, of the show. You don't know what oh, Hey Hey yeah. Sad Day it is. It is. It was a, vari- a racist variety <laughs> show in the late 90s that inexplicably went for about four and a half hours. <laughs> As you could probably guess, it was on Saturdays. Except um, when it wasn't. It had like a... Because sometimes it was God, on yes. Wednesday occasionally. Hey, it's Wednesday. Like, yeah. It was bizarre. It was mainly a talent show. It was a variety like, show. Like, like it was, they would have guests on. They had different segments that included comedians or people from the public doing things. There was Pluck a Duck, which was like, you know, you, it was like a basically spin the wheel to win a prize situation. It was a, it's an Australian it touchstone of the 80s and 90s. It started because it was a kid's show before it was the the night version. Like Daryl Summers started with Aussie ostrich like as a kid like a yes. like almost like an uh an agro's what was his morning whatever that show was called Playhouse? whatever that was almost like that sort yeah. of style before it became hey it's sad day and it was an institution and every 10 five to 10 years they try and bring it back for a couple of one-offs and it's you're always like oh wow this is was entertainment why did we think this is entertainment in the 90s the definition of age. Yeah. Play. Like, it's a variety show, but the variety of different xenophobes. <laughs> like, it's pretty like, bad. Um, whenever they try prop, to back. Proper blackface. Like, got used on the yeah. show. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Harry Connick Jr. was not, not happy. He was not happy. Enemy of the show. <laughs> well, that particular show. But you sent in pictures. I did. I did. So, as a kid, play. I'm talking like four or five years old. Pre, pre-school, I think, even. I um I was a bit of a drawer at the time. I've completely lost that talent since. But I just drew like segments of the show. So there was like Daryl and Ozzy at the desk. That was one. There was Plucker Duck in front of the wheel. That was another one. There was like the three judges for doing red faces. That was one. And I was like, I did them all, culled them in. Mum stapled them together as a book and then sent it in. I think because they'd shown another kid's drawing like the week or two earlier and it was shit. I was like, I can do better than that. <laughs> So I was like, I did it and sent it in. It made it onto the show. I've got it on VHS. It comes out every other Christmas. We, we watched the little bit yeah. where they talk about my, my drawings and how it's that day. My sisters tried to go on the show as part of the, um, the talent portion of it. It was my two sisters. I'm not going to name them because they're going to hit me anyway <laughs> after they hear this. Um, and, and my neighbor. And I, I would have been like seven at the time. And a, and a particularly dumb seven, let's face it. Every day for weeks. They'd be practicing this dance, this Spice Girl song. And it was your typical, like, 
high school, you know, something you would see a bunch of people dance to at like a um like an assembly sort of thing. It was that that sort of dance. Sure. And they practice every single day. And there was one Saturday where they were very excitedly headed off to the city to go be, you know, their first step on the path to, to fame. And we, I'm watching it that night. And there's a knock at the door. And they walk in. And I'm like, my brain's not putting it together. Like, I don't think, maybe I didn't actually know what the word live meant. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you must have filmed it. And you've, what, what's happening? They didn't say anything. My parents went and spoke to them. I never knew the, the story for a few days. They never booked their spot. So what they've done is they've rocked up to Channel 7 Studios around the back where security guard was and said, hey, we're here to perform. And he said, no, you're not. <laughs> Fuck off. I think- so you got these like three, like 15-ish um, year old uh, girls just being like, oh, shit. Just crying their eyes out, wanting to do their Spice Girls dance for Red Simon. I bet, I bet that happened more than once. I bet there was a few people who were just oh, like, yeah. I just show up. You know, even as a backup, in case one of the other acts doesn't show up, they'll just put me on sort of thing. Yeah, I remember there was an audition process for Red Faces. Like, you had to, because actually, I think one of my, yes, my uncle got in there doing comedy, a comedy bit. That was a that was a long time ago now. I wonder if I can dig that up somewhere. I like how the show runs in your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Red, it, like I said, it was an institution. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wanted to be on my hats that day. Well, actually, um, oh, what's the something Gilbert Russell Gilbert? Yeah, isn't there like a the comedian? Isn't there something at the, on the he, moment like the best of the Russell, Russell Gilbert show? Oh yeah, but he went real. So this was the thing. I saw this mm. ad the other day. I was watching the Oscars live for the first time because it was Labor Day. He was a day off, which was amazing. And they showed an ad for the best of the Russell Gilbert show. I'm like, why the fuck have they chosen to do this? And why is Mick Malloy talking to the camera like? You know, Russell, if you're out there, reach out to me. You're, you know, you know, we love you, mate, sort of thing. I was like, oh, this is, he's that far down the fucking rabbit hole. They're trying to like pull him back up through the the power he of used TV. To me. Yeah. yeah. He's the baby. What? what? Back, back when we used to live in Carlton. My Russell Gilbert to babysit you. And he used to, he used to come around and, you know, buy various fruits and vegetables and, I don't know, probably turmeric or something like that to prevent. <laughs> Ghost or whatever he believed. I, I don't know say, what he does. Was he an anti vaxxer then as well? Oh, no doubt. He's probably, no doubt. Imagine what, what would he have said to me as a baby? He's like, oh, I better not get vaccinated. Like, he would have <laughs> given me all this like right wing conservative bullshit trying to brainwash me. I may not have been there yet. Yeah, it's been very strange. Wow. He's, he's like 10 years ahead of Dave Hughes. Yes, 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 yes. He was the original Dave Hughes. Yeah. He's just further yeah. down that path. Boy, we've all been touched by Hey Hat Saturday one way or another. Look at that. We've all. Mm, magical. <laughs> Well, look, you brought up the Oscars. Yeah. You're a, uh, I mean, for, peop- for people who don't know, you are host. Have you guys done no, your phone show it keeps getting delayed. It was like, first I was sick, then I was on holiday, then Damascus moved house. We're meant to record it yesterday. She currently doesn't have power or internet, so we moved it back another week. It's good to go. I'm ready to go. because the show can't end. It'll get it done eventually. But if you want to hear more of Broderick talk about film and television, check out Hunting Seasons mm-hmm. on Spotify, iTunes, all good podcast platforms. Um, but being a movie buff, you would have been quite interested in the Oscars. What what were your thoughts? I know everything everywhere cleaned yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. That was the main takeaway was the everything everywhere sweep. Um, overall, it was a like a good, as a solid Oscars ceremony. Like, I watch the Oscars every year. Normally, it's delayed because it's on at like 10 or 11 a.m. here normally and I'm at work. So normally the plan is like that night. We've all avoided you know, Twitter and the internet for a day. We go home and watch it together. We dress up to the nines. We have champagne. We like watch the ceremony, delay broadcast or whatever. This year we got to watch it live because it was a public holiday, which is awesome. And it was like, 
a solid ceremony. But in the sense that everything ran smoothly, the right people won for the most part, the speeches were good. Also, nothing insane happened, and that was a little bit of a shame. Sometimes the best bit of the Oscars, it's kind of like the same with E3. It's like the most famous moments from E3 are like, you know, uh, you know, attack the crab for massive damage or whatever, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Ridge Racer, the awkward moments, that that awful Konami conference and stuff like that. Like they're they're the things you think about afterwards. And like last year, obviously, Will Smith slapping um I've got his name all of a sudden. The guy that he slapped. Chris, Chris Rock. Rock, thank you. I don't know how that missed yeah. got that. Um that was huge. The when uh La La Land was announced as the winner of Best Picture, but really it was oh, Moonlight. Like that's that's an all-timer. Cool. We were oh, I'll never forget that night. That was incredible. Not, uh, when uh, John Travolta pronounced um, Del Dazeem, um, mispronounced, uh, what's her name, does the voice of, uh, what's her name from Frozen? Wow, I'm having a bad night for memory at the moment. Uh, I've never seen You've Frozen. never I've seen never Frozen? Seen. She was in I've Wicked as well? It doesn't matter. Anyway, those sorts of flubs and stuff like that, There, nothing like that happened. It was- such a benign night, which is probably exactly what the Academy wanted after yeah. last year and did make for a good show, especially because it was a very feel-good show with, like, everything everyone all at once winning, Brendan Fraser winning, all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, not one you're going to think about because that insane thing happened on live TV. I'm not, I don't get too into the Oscars, but there was one thing I was reading, and I'm like, that's a bit odd. So they do the In Memoriam. They missed out on a lot they of names. They always do. There's always at least one or two that are like, why the fuck was this person not on there? Yeah. Because I saw, the, I saw like Anne Heche was um, trending. I'm like, mm. what happened there? Yeah, there's some talk um, about why this is. There's like, apparently I've seen some suggestion that the family has to request or, uh, or like give the okay for them to be included in the memoriam thing. And maybe sometimes, you know, some of these things aren't being done correctly or people miss messages or they decide they don't want that to happen for some reason so it doesn't happen um but a lot of the time i think the academy just fuck it up i don't know how yeah <laughs> but, but every year there's at least one or two or three like massive why weren't they on this give gilbert Gottfried his juice yes exactly oh wow that's a that, big that one. was actually the one that really surprised yeah. me because he's done so many voices for so many different things but speaking of Oh, I guess maybe soon to be award-winning. It will win awards. Last of Us TV show just wrapped mm-hmm. up. That's why we're doing this episode a day late because we wanted a chance to watch it. That's why I've, we've kicked everyone else at the show, okay? We've got the two adults in the room <laughs> to talk about The Last Daddy of Us. Daddy and Daddy are talking. Now, heads up is full spoilers. Full spoilers, okay? If you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. Come back. Listen to this, okay? That's a promise you've just made. <laughs> You're going to come back. Um. There will be a point where we do talk a little bit about the game, part two, the game, um, but we will put a little bit of another spoiler warning there. But yes, this is your first and final warning. We're about to spoil the ever-loving fuck out of HBO's The Last of Us. Now, now that it's all done, before we get into the nitty-gritty, broad strokes, broad, how do you feel about it? Uh, overall, very, very happy with The Last of Us season one. Um... It was always that show that was like it had the potential. You could see why they were turning it into a TV show. HBO getting behind it. The casting was good. You were like, wow, this has the recipe really good. But there was always that part of me that was definitely wondering if we could actually pull it off. The video game curse. There just hasn't been very many, if any, great 
video game adaptations. Debatable, obviously, but um, you just Sonic worry. Was pretty good. Pardon? Sonic was pretty Sonic good. Sonic was pretty good. Sonic was pretty good. First Mortal Kombat. I would argue the Ace Attorney live action movie is fucking great, <laughs> but no one talks about that one. Um, oh, I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's it's Japanese and it's um it's live action. It's really good. It's just the first game, basically. Um, it's, re- it's I love it. <laughs> I think it's great. It's like it's it's almost like live action anime too. It's like they they really go for it. It's very good. Um, and and yeah, so there's always that doubt. It's like, can they actually pull this off? And it turns out they can. And it probably comes down to a few different things. The story in The Last of Us Part One is extremely strong. And it just you can see it translating to a TV show really easily because all the parts are there, the characters, the the world, the lore, the the story as it unfolds, the drama is there. It's ready to go. Um, but they've done an excellent job not just crafting that story for lot for the TV medium, but like the the adaptation is excellent. Um, the things they've chosen to do differently, the things they've chosen to do exactly the same. I do have nitpicks here and there. I'm interested in talking about the finale in particular. Um, but overall, extremely, extremely satisfied. What about you? I was so I was speaking about this before. I was very nervous mm. when they announced this. Last of Us being one of my favorite games, and like the, the video game video game curse. Mm. Like we don't get games aren't inherently a good medium to turn into film mm. or to TV. However, the Last of Us biggest weakness and one of its biggest complaints when it first came out was this is just the movie with some gameplay mm-hmm. in it. So it, its biggest weakness as a game is becoming the biggest strength when being adapted. When I saw that Neil Druckmann was being directly involved with it, very cool. I saw Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal casting it, fantastic. Love these two. Did the Neil? It's when I saw Craig Mazin. Oh yeah, and who who made uh, Chernobyl? Yeah. Which, uh, Chernobyl is one of the best seasons of television I've ever watched. It was so gripping and haunting. It's one of those shows I've only ever watched it once, and I will struggle to mm. watch it again because of just the topic but i think about that so often there's certain shots in there that are so well done um and you get very good performances out of people which he's done here as well i do have complaints no doubt and we'll get through through them in a moment um i the fact that i can't say one way or another yet which is the definitive mm-hmm. last of us mm-hmm. means the show has done an extremely good job even if it, even if I come to the conclusion, no, it's not. It's still the game. The gameplay, the, sorry, the game is still the defender version. The fact that the show got that close mm-hmm. to what I believe is close to the perfect game, fucking well done. I think the game has to be the defender version in the sense that, like, I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy, like nothing, like that's one probably my favorite film trilogy of all time, just about. And but I'm the book is the definitive version, like it is adapting from this other thing that came first, and so much of what the show is doing is directly commenting on or or making choices based on what the game did first. And so it has to be the definitive version. But I think it could be your preferred version of the TV show. I would argue it already is. My preferred version is the TV show, at least for part one. I'll be interested to see. I haven't played all of part two. If I ever get around to it, and hopefully I will, how I feel about that. I did want to ask you very quickly, actually, just you talked about Neil Druckmann being involved, and that was a positive for you there was there ever any part of you because sometimes i think when the like someone who makes video games and people who make tv shows they're very they're creatives obviously there's still similar storytelling stuff that can happen in there but they don't always translate and the creators being heavily involved doesn't always mean good things obviously it's gonna be more faithful you would imagine but also like it's like when shigeru miyamoto was 
heavily involved in the Super Mario Brothers movie. We haven't seen that movie yet, so we're not sure yet how it's going to turn out, but it's looking good so far. But that had me really worried. It's like if this guy throws his weight around and makes them do some dumb shit. I love Shigeru Miyamoto, but he's not without his faults. Like that was a worry for me. And it was kind of the same thing with Neil Druckmann for a bit. With with Druckmann, I think he always came across as somebody who wants to write film and television, sure. but is working in, in games. That's how just whenever I watch interviews, kind of, I get the same vibe from Hideo Kojima. I was going to ask, would, would you be excited to see a Hideo Kojima like Metal Gear Solid film or TV show? Yep. Mm. Because it, it, it is so distinctly him. There's, there's, there's a Kojima flavor to yeah. it. And I don't think another person can recreate that without some really, really strong guidance from him. Same with, with Druckmann. Um, this is his story. And I'm not sure if, if anyone else could tell it the way that he's able to. Mm-hmm. And I, I could definitely see the lessons. And again, not giving away anything from part two. There are so many lessons he's learned as a writer, as a creator, while writing part two. Um, not just writing off, but also some of the, the fan reaction. Mm-hmm. To part two, that he's in kind of looped back on the TV show and has been able to add to it. And the way the story is told, is told I think, is a lot more mature mm-hmm. for for that. So I, I, his his involvement and his his uh, the Druckmann flair was very much needed. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I needed them to be faithful to this, mm-hmm. and then they very much were. They were very respectful of the of the source material while making some very confident changes that I think, for the most part, better. I hope that's the lesson that's learnt from The Last of Us being a huge success, both critically and commercially, is like, just just be faithful to the source material. If Mario does the same thing, which it's going to do, and it's probably going to be huge, at least financially successful, how, can we stop putting Sonic in the fucking real world? Can we stop, like, making Resident Evil, but just, like, using bits and pieces and doing our own thing? Like, can we... Just be faithful to the fucking stories that exist and the worlds that exist. and Because that's what happened with, with comic book movies, right? It's like for a long time, they kept putting like their heroes in black leather because they didn't want to use colorful spandex until Spider-Man was successful and until uh, particularly Iron Man and Captain America and Thor were successful and the Avengers were successful. It was almost like they were ashamed to be true to the comics. Yeah. And like, that's the lesson that needs to be learned with the video game adaptations. I think it's like, just be true to the source material and you're more likely to get right than wrong. I think. Yeah. I think you're definitely right about that because people used to look at video games as, you know, like a, a kid's medium. Yeah. Same as so comics. When they make something. Yeah. They have to change it to make it more adult. But now the people who grew up playing games and reading comics are the ones making these decisions. Yeah. They can see, no, there is, there is very much adult content to this. And, Rather than like, I don't want adaptations to be direct remakes. No. If I if I want to play beat for beat these stories, I'll play the game again. I like them to be very much within the same realm, inspired by. Um, that's why I'm very hopeful. Who's making the God of War series? Amazon, I think. I don't know who the creators I hope are. They though. watched episode one and they caught up Corey Barlog straight away and said, "Hey, yeah. here's some money. Get involved. <laughs> Just we need yeah. you." We do we even know what that. If that is going to be like the the reboot God of War, or are they going to go back and do like the the original God of War first? From my understanding, it's going to be the Nordic stuff. Oh, okay, cool. And they'll just like allude to Which that stuff cool. in flashback. That'll be cool. I, I would really like some flashbacks. I think they'll have things, to because you would need explanation need of like why is he so white? <laughs> oh, it's the ashes of his daughter. Wow, 
dark. <laughs> yeah. I think for people who haven't played the game, that's going to hit pretty hard, as a lot of moments in, in Last of Us did for the, uh, the non-player who have watched it, which has been a lot of people because the ratings for the show have been absolutely bonkers. It's weird for a show these days to grow over the course of its first season, like the audience to grow. I think I haven't seen this week's one yet, but I think the second last episode was like the biggest audience share it's had all all season. And it the just- The last episode was the highest. And the last episode was the highest. It went, so it just kept yep. going. And that is so fucking rare um, these I think days. I remember reading the last show that did that was season one of White Lotus. Right. It did that for the first four episodes, I believe. It just kept going up and then it sort of plateaued. Which is normally what happens. Often, more often than not, the pilot is the highest one and then it sort of comes down over a couple of episodes and then it plateaus. And then they just try and hold on to that audience basically for the rest of it. And then there are obviously exceptions to that with like Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and stuff like that, which found their audiences as it went along. But more often than not, you start high, you plateau, and then you just try and hold on to it. And the fact that it's grown it, is amazing. It really helps that this show felt like an anthology. Yeah. Every ep- you could watch a singular episode and you have a you know a conclusion. Which not many shows have. I, I didn't feel like any episode felt like filler. There was a cu- no, there was no filler, but there was a couple of two-parters. Like I'd say the first and the second episode oh, yeah, in particular sort of felt um, like a complete thing, yeah. and certainly the Sam and Henry. Yeah, it really felt like a two-parter. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, look, let's get into it. We've sort of broken the show down to some key moments and aspects, and we'll just just loosely discuss them. Um. First up, the opening in the in the game. It starts off with um in the past. I don't know what year it was. Two thousand three odd. Uh, 2001, I think it is, I want to say. Something like that. I could be wrong. Something like that. Joel's birthday. His daughter Sarah's there. Buys him a watch. They're very cute. Oh, no. Something's happening. Amazing car chase. Well, car scene. Uh, and then the, the tragic ending. How do you think that translated to the series? Brilliantly. Like, when I realized it was going to take up most of the first episode, it wasn't going to be just the first 10 minutes, which is sort of what it feels like, like would be appropriate to the game as like, she wake from memory. It's been a long time since I played it. You sort of you play as Sarah and you wake up as it's all going down outside, right? Whereas this, you get all that build up, and and you would expect based on the first episode that Sarah's going to be the main character, which is suitable because you play as her in that opening sequence in the game. Um, I thought it was fucking brilliant that first episode, like to because even if you knew what was happening, you were sort of being made. You knew what was going to happen. You knew what, the, what how this was going to unfold and where it was going to end up. Um, it was so moving because they put the work into making you care about this version of Sarah. It was, I thought, brilliant. Really, really cool. And where I got really confident that the show was going to be great, um, just because of how well they pulled that stuff off. Yeah. Like, you know what's going to happen. So when they started adding more to it, yeah. and for me, it was just like holding off the inevitable and making me really care for Sarah. They built up the relationship between Sarah and Joel so well. And then also just having the stuff with the neighbor, that horror scene mm. of the grandma slowly starting to like wake up, that was fucking cooked. And also like, I mean, the show didn't even start there. It starts with a flashback flashback to something we hadn't seen in the games to like that TV interview. Oh yeah, yeah, that's on. right. When they're talking about cordyceps, like a little bit heavy-handed, I understand it was it was a very the show is very slight global warming, <laughs> um, but I also liked how over the first two episodes, two three episodes, there were so many links to okay you understand that the the cordyceps virus spread through grain mm. um, that was just basically stored in humidity um, and was able to to thrive there, 
And it's like, okay, cool. I, I, I've been wondering how is this thing spread? And it's such a basic staple. Of course, this is going to spread. This makes complete sense. I'm cool with that. Um, you're right. It's 2003, by the way. That's actually something that the show did a couple of times, which I'm interested in your thoughts on. Whereas it's gone out of its way to explain things that weren't explained in the game. Um, one being this, how the cordyceps sort of spread. And two being, and we'll get to this later, why Ellie is immune. Um, oh, yes. Do There's a risk in doing this sort of stuff, right? Sometimes there's power in not knowing, leaving up to the imagination, because ultimately it probably really doesn't matter why Ellie is immune or doesn't matter why, you know, how the cordyceps spread exactly. And when you go out of your way to explain it, sometimes it can be a weakness, like midichlorians in episode one oh, of Star yes. Wars. You you boil it down and it, it makes it less interesting. Um, they're leaving it open to interpretation is kind of where the fun can be sometimes. You didn't you felt like it was okay, their explanations of things? Yeah, I, I felt like it didn't go it was basic enough for it to be okay. I think when they mm. start going into very nitty-gritty detail, that's when the plot holes appear. And basically it's a show saying, We're getting nitty-gritty, you should as well then. Mm. And you tear it apart. You know, shows that fell apart because of that was like Game of Thrones and Lost that had these little mysteries that got a little bit too intricate. And then when you try to put a magnifying glass over them, they, they fell yeah, apart. Yeah, Lost's problem was they tried to include mysteries for the sake of having mysteries with no intention of actually answering them. When they tried to... Don't get me started on Lost. <laughs> They're making a documentary about Lost, apparently. Are they? Yeah. The show I always wanted to I do for the to- podcast, actually. Never got around to it, unfortunately. Season one. One of the best seasons of Excellent. television. Season one is fantastic. Loved it. Great. Um, should have just ended, ended it there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I think these really help the non-gamer. When you're playing the game, yeah. there can be a lot of mystery and you know loose ends because you're also distracted by the gameplay itself and there's so many other things going on. You're not constantly thinking about the story. Mm-hmm. When you're watching the show, you're not doing anything with your hands. You know? you're, you're, you're completely focused on what's happening on the screen, the story, and you're trying to fill in gaps a bit more. Yeah. You're not distracted as much. So I, I thought that was, that was good. I, again, wasn't too much, and also led to one of the best scenes in the show, mm-hmm. the flashback from um, episode two, mm. with the woman saying bomb, mm. like, chilled, absolute chills that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to, um, to Sarah, there was one, there was a few scenes, I, I stopped onto, um, uh, uh, did a bit of a guest spot on another show, um, Fan Critical, they did their, their uh, podcast on the, on the last of us, so make sure you check that out, The Cast of Us. Very, very good mm. name for a Last of Us breakdown show. I would have sold if they didn't. Uh, we are going through scenes that we thought have to be in the show. And one of the things I really wanted to see was that car scene with Joel, Tommy, and Sarah watching the world break down around them. Mm-hmm. The moment I saw that, I knew we were in safe hands mm-hmm. because that was faultless. That was exactly how I pictured it. Um, Going past, like, the big farmhouse that's burning, they mentioned, like, oh, you know, surely they got out of there. Their every line is is spot on. Mwah, mwah, chef's kiss. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be talking. I, I love this shit so much. Um, There's a lot to love. There's a lot to love. That is- They get through all that. I was going to say, the, uh, the accuracy, the where they choose to do it almost line for line, shot for shot, the same as the game, is actually something I'm interested in talking about. Because I think- Sometimes it was super effective, and sometimes I think it may have been a minor detriment. Um, Ooh, okay. Uh, sometimes 
the changes they made were super effective and sometimes they were less effective too. It's feel, hey, feel free to jump around. What, what, what scene do you have in mind? Uh, that was detrimental. I'm oh, detrimental that was exactly the same. Uh, maybe it's not. Um, this, we'll get to an episode nine. I'm interested in just the accuracy of episode nine. I don't know. I feel like there need to be more. I feel like there was episode nine need to be fleshed out a bit more. They were so they were so similar. It's like there's a point where it just becomes exactly what happened in the game, basically. And I was like, I really wish they felt like they could divert a little bit more from what they're doing. It's not. It's not that it's the same, right? It's not that maybe that's where I'm, I'm misspeaking a little bit. The like the very very last thing, for instance, is brilliant because it's exactly the same as the game. Basically, it feels identical. I was like, I knew exactly where it's going to end. I knew every camera actor, like actor movement, the shot choices was exactly the same. Basically, it was more that it was so much. It was like they didn't feel like they could change this at all. It was a worry to me because I felt like it had room. It, in fact, needed to go a little bit further. We'll talk about that in episode nine. We get to episode nine. I I, I think I'm going to actually agree on a few mm, parts of that episode nine. Mm. Um. All right. So Sarah gets shot. She gets got, as the kids say. I when I first played this game, I teared up. When I watched the show, I teared yeah. up. Both times I watched it, that gutted me. That was so well done. Um. And the the parallels between that scene and one of the last scenes in, in the uh, in the last episode. Yeah. Were stunning. Uh. And then it cuts forward to, I'm just going to say present day for lack of effort. Um, and you get to see Tess and uh, Joel. What did you uh, think of um, Anatov as uh, Tess? I'm, I'm a massive Anatov fan, have been ever since Fringe. Um, so I'm I just happy to see Anatov on anything. I uh, really liked her as Tess. Um, not necessarily who would have chosen off the bat based on how test sort of looks but a lot of the one thing they did really smart in this show is not just feel like they had to cast people because of what they look like the characters um bella ramsey does not evoke ellie to me in the way she looks but she's fucking perfect as ellie so like well done to them her mannerisms are oh. everything about her right she's a definitive ellie to me now sure she's sure. she's ellie to me sure uh, joel is still the video game joel sure but she's oh. um they're great I really liked it with, with Tess. I saw some commentary that people feel like Tess was done dirty, but I didn't have that issue whatsoever. I thought, in fact, if anything, I felt like I understood their, her and Joel's definite relationship, but definite distance they tried to emotionally keep from each other, particularly Joel from uh, from Tess. I thought it was really well done, really well illustrated, particularly the stuff that we include, the stuff that's in like the... Bill and Frank episode and all that. I was actually hoping we'd see a bit. When when we had that first flashback, I was like, if we can just keep including Anatov every now and again throughout the season, go right ahead. I'll be happy to see more of it. Um, and I think maybe, again, because I've only played the game through once, and so it's like kind of almost watching this story for the second time, I thought they did a really good job of like tying in Tessa's fate to and really build like the whole season just as an expert job of getting Joel to where Joel needs to be for this last sequence to happen. I don't I think it starts perfectly with with Tess and how they use Tess. What did you think, just skipping ahead a little bit, her death. Now this was a little bit yeah. controversial. And we're in the clickers and, and the and the cordyceps in a moment, but the, the kiss. Uh, uh what, what was it a runner, <clears throat> I'm guessing? Yeah, I, I guess it runner? would be, yeah. Um comes up, gives her like a, a cordyceps cat kiss. Mm-hmm. And uh, she blows herself up. It's it is it's one of the it's because it's nothing like in the game, right? I think she we don't see her death in the game, do no, we? No, she could. I'm pretty sure in the 
game, she's killed by Fedra. Yeah, I think they show up. You're right. Um, yeah. I I don't hate it. It's, it's a bit of a weird choice, I guess, or it feels, I don't know. It feels a bit goofy in some ways, I think, this like the, the concept of getting closer and like seeing the tendrils come out. It's It didn't evoke horror. It sort of evoked just like, that's going to be a weird kiss. I saw an interesting thought that this was like part of the ongoing thesis of the show about like the double edge of love. It's like love is dangerous in this world. It's like it's if you don't have it, you got nothing. But if you do have it, it's like. You have everything to lose. Exactly right. And like this like deadly kiss that she had was kind of playing on that theme a little bit, which I thought was an interesting take. I don't know how accurate it is. Um, but I didn't, I didn't mind it. I didn't have a problem with it necessarily. It just was a little bit goofy, maybe. Even looking from a, like, from like a biological point of view, because let's face it, I'm an expert on <laughs> science as a whole. Um, a, a, a fungus would attack the lungs. So it makes sense. Like that is the most logical way for it to spread. Sure. Um, I wish we saw it more often. We actually, you actually do see the tendrils at work in the first episode when the neighbors mm, have attacked each mm-hmm. other. Because I remember seeing the woman eating part of the man, and I just thought like he had like weird spaghetti hair, but it was the tendrils coming out of her mouth and going, yeah, into yeah, him, yeah. not vice versa. Um, so on second watch, I'm like, okay, I, now I get that. Look, I, I get why people were like, oh, that's a bit strange, and they did add a lot to how the cortisus works with the whole kind of transmission system, the uh. Not the not wise and not having spores, basically. I mean, that was their that was a I think a specific choice because having their characters wear masks all the time. Even though Pedro Pascal is perfectly um, good at acting with without seeing his face, um, was a choice they wanted to make. I think um, for the sake of the performances, um, and also I think they just like I think people are just sick of masks right now. True, true. We've done that. We've they done, did need to make that spoils. commentary as well about like whether masks are effective or not. Um, yeah. And also just I don't think visually it's as interesting. Like um, just spores that make you sick aren't as interesting as like getting yeah, attacked by something. Yeah, you help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop it a mask. Okay. Uh, but, and cool. so it's it's part of that change too, I think, which is fine. I mean, you you adapt to the medium. It makes sense. Um, taking it, well, I mean, speaking of the, uh, the, the fungus- Clickers. Mm. Now we don't see much of them throughout the show, yes. and that's one probably the biggest complaint coming out of it. The, the show wasn't cheap to make, um, and we got oh, maybe four good scenes of clickers. I'm trying to think. Obviously, they've got all the stuff that happens, or with clickers in particular. Pre-cast. Oh, with, with clickers, those are really. I mean, clickers specifically. It's really the sequence in episode two, I guess, isn't it? The fight in which the so- scene, which is great. Um, there's lots of there's lots of infected in the first episode. There's lots of infected in the second episode. There's lots of infected in like the fifth episode, and that's about it. Yeah, and that's kind of where the clickers and and, and the infected stopped. I thought there was a real missed opportunity in the last episode, which was a, was a short one. There's a really really tense sequence uh, in the game where you're in a uh, like a tunnel mm-hmm. uh, before you get to the hospital, and there's a, a part with two bloaters. Right. And it's it's like they sneak past or I sneak past them. Yeah. Because expert gamer. Um that would have been really cool to see. Uh I would have also really liked to have seen the high school. Uh there's a part with with Bill 
and we'll get to, to Jaw, Bill and yeah, 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 I remember that. They scene. very much changed that. But there is a scene in a high school with a lot of clickers, a lot of bloaters, and there's one particular part where you sneak past a bloater. You are like inches away from its face as you walk past it. Mm-hmm. I thought that could have been very, 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 very cool. And it, it's there until there's like guttural breathing. You could hear its lungs filled with fluid and it's trying to. Ugh, it's gross. But do you think well, was my- the lack of infected it was detrimental? Not for me. Not really. No. I um, I think the zombie thing's kind of been done to death and I'm more interested in the human drama anyway. I mean, the title of the show is The Last of Us. People have pointed this out to Ben Shapiro. It's not actually about the infected. It's about the, the oh, human Benny, characters. Oh, Benny Shap Shap. He was bitching about everything everywhere at once. I, I mean, listen, he's- That failed, that failed screenwriter yeah. is complaining about other people's films. He's really butthurt about being a failed screenwriter. Um. I, I didn't miss it that much. I definitely can see why from like an excitement, horror, action-y point of view, a little bit more would have been cool. Um, I think they invested their time in the right places. And if they were like, if, I mean, and that's the thing too, that I think the hard bit, I saw Druckmann talking about this, is like there's a lot of infected in the game because there's a game, right? Like yeah. you need to have enemies and threats and, and all this sort of stuff happening, that push and pull that... Um, uh, what's his name? Let's talk about on YouTube. Um, Sakurai, I mean, and in the, it's different for the for the show. It's it, they're trying to tell the story, and having infected involved in every episode isn't necessarily the right the right choice. And I I, I didn't miss them personally, but it sounds like you did a little bit, like because you I were looking for dulled. things from a game that you love. There was like moments, particularly that you wanted to see, sort of translate to the screen. Not so much that. I think it just dulled the the overall quest. Sure. So his whole the whole mission is to is to get Ellie to a hospital and create a vaccine mm. to stop you know the infected. But the infected weren't that much of a problem in in from what we saw. So okay, and we'll get we'll get to the discussion around the vaccine and stuff like that at the end. Um, Russell Gilbert would be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> the whole the problem though was people. People were the biggest monsters in, in, in this whole show. It, Vaccine's not going to stop isn't, that. Isn't that the game? That not that worth saying it too, is. though? <laughs> it is, but I wish there was a bit more of a balance to kind okay. of remind you. Because like the, the last, what, three episodes, basically, we had one runner in Left Behind. Yeah. Um, I think previous to that, we didn't really have... Oh, we didn't have anything in the... Uh, yeah, I think maybe the, like the last four episodes, we didn't have any... We wouldn't have had. They didn't have any. I don't think. No, they didn't have any when they when with they met Tommy. with Tommy and stuff. No, there was none there. They just had the um, uh, the Raiders when they got to the hospital or the university or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it it would have been nice to have one or two in the last episode. Again, it was a short episode. It would have been a nice little cap. But again, they're in the game because of the game yeah it's not it's not a show about monsters it's a show about relationships and i think one of the things this show did really well and again this goes back to neil Druckmann learning some really good lessons for making part two is the the monsters we saw in the show for the most part you can see where they're coming from you may not agree with it but there's a complexity that if if you just if you turn the camera and you're looking from their perspective they're the good guys Uh And that's a massive, massive part on the switch from part one to part two. And then they're just laying the groundwork for that as well. So having a bit more time with the characters really worked. However, another complaint I have about the show is 
and we'll probably get into this a bit more um, when we get to uh, you know Sam and Henry probably mm-hmm. introduce characters grow to love them they die introduce character grow to love them they die it did become a little bit formulaic there sure. you knew that you were meeting a character they're probably gonna die to teach you the viewer a lesson that that, that so that's just- such a TV thing I've been watching Buffy back recently and every time that Buffy meets like a new student it's like oh hey Trey and you're like oh they're talking to this person because they're in a class you're like something horrible is going to happen to you or you're the bad guy this episode. Which one is it? It's like, that's just such a TV thing. It's not a, it's not a, a bad thing. It can be kind of almost comfort. Mm. You know, you're going to be sad, but it's comforting <laughs> knowing that this, again, this will be resolved. There will be a conclusion to this story that I'm not going to have to wait till season three to find out what happens to Bill. Um, I mean, speaking of Bill, Bill and Frank, mm. this is the episode that, uh, Really solidify this as a very mature take on the show. This is a very bold... This is probably the biggest diversion from the game. Yeah. Because in the game, you meet up with... um, It's a, it's a bit of a hassle to get to Bill. He set these traps up across this whole town. Um, You eventually get to him. He's a bit of a dick. There's some really good back and forth between him and Ellie, which I did miss a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, but you go on a bit of a mission line with him. And then you find Frank... Uh, You find Frank's body. Um. And there's a whole thing where you can go back and you can tell Bill and you find out that there may have been a relationship. It was kind of vague. No vagueness in this one. This was a pure love story. Mm. And I think it's probably one of the best episodes of television I've ever watched. Yeah, this was the this was the episode. And we talked about this a few weeks back when it came out on this very podcast. Um, this is when it's the show sort of announced itself as being like legit. In both the sense that this is incredible storytelling and it's going to do amazing work but also to not expect things to be exactly the same as the show and funnily enough this ended up probably being the biggest diversion anyway i don't think the later episodes really i mean were almost very faithful for the most part yeah. apart from a couple of little occlusions here and there um which was a bit of a surprise because it made me go cool we're gonna we're gonna have a different there's gonna be a different take on this in a lot of big ways and it wasn't quite that um but yeah sensational episode of television um, it's funny you talk about the Bill thing and missing that. I, I agree. That's a fun part of the video game. It is. If, if, if let's say this episode wasn't what we got and it was that, that problem of being like feeling like every other, like feeling that pattern would have become bigger. Yeah. Because it would have been yeah. another person you meet. Yes, he doesn't die at the end. Um, or does he die? Actually, I can't remember in the game. No, he lives. He lives, he right? Lives. Um, he doesn't die at the end, but you meet them. You go through the high school, you have that moment, you get the car running, end of episode. Not dissimilar to the next three, four episodes we go through, basically. I think, to be fair, like I said, I, I, I missed the banter. And I mean, mm. having um, um, Offerman and uh, Ramsey bounce off each other would be very, very fun. That would have been cool. However, some of the lines he had in the show, in this episode, they're fucking Nazis. <laughs> like, perfect. Perfect. Um, what, what, what does he say when the federal agents are outside? Not today. Not today, Jack, Bo- Jack Doug, uh, Fox. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, I love this. I love that it pissed off Ben Shapiro, who was confused by the whole oh, thing. Always a good sign. If Ben's pissed off about it, it probably means it's quality. I love how often we mention Benny Shap Shap on this show, little short little fuck. <laughs> I want to throw him into a box and shake the box. <laughs> Such a little bug of a person. Keep, um, keep me in a matchbox in your pocket just every now and again. Just now, a lot of people saw this episode as, as quote-unquote, filler. What are your thoughts on that, that particular take? Well, uh, thanks, Ben. Um, that's 
the, the biggest misreading of what the show is. And which is, again, which is why, like, I understand people who miss the they're being more infected in the show, you know, more bloaters, more clickers, whatever, those sort of highlights, the action highlights, the horror highlights. But ultimately, this show was always about the last of us, the humans, the humanity trying to about love. Neil Druckmann has always said the first game is about love. The second game is about hate. And this, to me, like, I think this is the opposite of filler. This is essential. Like, this episode, again, is like another step down the path to understanding what is happening in the last episode. Um. The the stuff where he, in Bill's written his letter to Joel about looking after Tess and what Tess has told Joel to do. It's like, at this point, I was like, this is superior because this is stronger. This telling and this building and this thesis is stronger than it was in the game. Um, I love that Tess was such a vital piece of Joel in this. I agree. Tess is a side character in the game. I actually, I was a bit sadder that what it didn't continue a little bit longer. As I was saying, I would have liked to see more Anatov just in flashback or whatever. The the Tess element is crucial <laughs> um, in the at least the TV adaptation, and I really like that they've made that so important. What I really liked about um, uh, Bill, Bill and Joel are the same person when they first meet. Mm-hmm. They're just survivalists they they are here until they die they have no purpose they are just around at that point and they both find people who make them whole i mean joel has an amazing line in a later episode which we'll get we'll get to but they find a person that makes that gives them purpose like like bill says you were my purpose Mm -hmm. and i love that they they came to the same point where they were gonna they were in a position to lose the person who gave them you know reason but bill didn't have an option he didn't have a choice he had to go along with it. And you saw that he's like, well, I don't have a choice. Therefore, the only choice I can make is to go. Mm-hmm. And we'll go together. I think when Joel realized there was a choice he could make, and it was a big choice, and he had to really make it, mm-hmm. he took it. So you saw that like diverge. When there was an option there, he took it. Mm-hmm. He took what was essentially a selfish option. Um, I think this episode adds so much to Joel's story without Joel being in it. Agreed. Yes, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's um it is the uh, this filler thing. People were saying the same thing about fucking the was it left behind? What's the Left Behind Left yeah. Behind? Saying the same it's it's uh it's I guess I, I don't want to debate that. I don't want to discuss that because I think it's just a complete lack of like media literacy to not understand how important these events are well, and understanding the these hatred for characters. Else. Maybe they're poorly hiding their complaints about something else. I think that's, huh. yeah, it's I funny that those are the two episodes that come up. Good yeah. luck with season two is all I can say. <laughs> yeah. There, I can understand people who, who wanted this to be a, just another zombie show. If you watch the episode, like, oh, this feels a bit weird. You need to understand that this is a different show. And I think once you understand that, the importance of this episode is just insurmountable. The, the thing that I kept reading, the actual criticism I kept reading was it didn't move the plot forward. It's like this This has become a problem the internet does, right? And it's like sometimes films and TV shows do need to be pressed on their internal logic. Like how much the story is actually has a follow, a, a clear follow through. It's, it's following through its own rules, has a logical progression, that sort of stuff. But this idea that like the plot needs to move forward is misunderstanding art like and storytelling in general and the like are those people also complaining about um pulp fiction 
Like, do they hate Pulp Fiction because they watch it and it's not in sequential order and it's a bunch of little fucking vignettes that more speak to a thematic whole than tell a, you know, a story from start to finish? Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? How have we got to this point that that's the complaints that people are making? It, 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 the internet has ruined people's ability to actually think critically or artistically. Yep. It's so, <laughs> this is why I'm so glad you're on this episode. Rant over. This is why I was so happy to get you on this episode. And see, you can articulate things in ways that I cannot. Because <laughs> I would have just said fuck a lot. I mean, um, I, I like to do that too. It's fun. You are right. And yeah, it's that whole nature of like, I hate over the overanalyzation of everything. Mm. I hate everything in a show needs to have a literal meaning. Mm-hmm. Nothing can be symbolic mm-hmm. or metaphorical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to be, you know, you know this person ha- did this, therefore that must happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's it's dumb. Mm-hmm. If you know, then creators try to subvert expectations, and we get in the last season of Game of Thrones, it's it's a, a absolute mess. And it was really good to see Mason and Druckmann do that with this episode. Mm-hmm. Take quite a bold stance with it. And look, we we are harping on about some of the more. And look, not everyone who has a complaint with this episode is necessarily a bad person, but a lot of bad people have a bad take. Oh, there's there's there, it's there's some bad faith arguments in there as well. There are people, as you yeah. said, who aren't actually complaining about the show or the stories it is, but they're actually having a whinge that there are two gay men with a romance, a beautiful romance in this episode I, of TV I think they didn't that expect. Maybe the best love story I've ever seen on screen. Um, I I, I can't, personally from stuff I've seen, I can't think of an equal. I'm. I'm not going to disagree. I'm. Yeah. Not a lot comes. It, it was. It was. How do you get that much growth in a character in what fifty four minutes? It was. I mean, Bonkers. beautiful is the word that comes to mind. Devastating, no doubt, mm. but um, just beautiful. It was. The ending wasn't upsetting. It was tragic, though, and I think that, that's Did another we, line. We, talk, that we shows, talked about this. I disagree with this tragic idea. It's like. Tragedy. I mean, it's sad. Yes, tragedy tends to mean like a fate they could have avoided but didn't. There is nothing avoidable about this. They. I kind of see it the other way around. No, it's like like a tragedy is when you the the choice is taken away from you. No, see that's see it's like Macbeth, right? Is a is a is a tragedy, but like all of the things that happened to Macbeth are because he made bad choices, right? Lady Macbeth, same deal. Her fate is tragic. Romeo and Juliet, it's like, it's it's a bunch of things that just went wrong, right? Because bad choices were made or things were misunderstood or whatever it might be. It was a tragedy in that sense. This was the happy, this is the best version of an existence in this reality. Like yeah. the world is over. They somehow amongst all that found each other, lived a happier, fulfilling life right to the end. The only- it is a sad ending, but it's also the ending that every love story has, if you take it to its logical conclusion. Every love story has to have a sad ending. But is it I don't think it's fair to say that like because a love story ends because of death of someone dying means it's a tragedy. Cause that means that every love story is a tragedy. Do you know what I mean? So I uh, that's that's, that's where I, that's just my that's my thing. I think it I, to me it was sad because the end, like an ending, a love story that ends is sad, especially the way that it does. But it's so fucking beautiful. I feel like we also need, um, like the um, the cry counter on this one because <laughs> oh, this, this episode is three, and I've teed up at every single one. 
I almost hit up an airy episode of the show. Again, it could just be definitely the Definitely did in one, well. definitely did in three. I'm trying to think if I did in two. I'm not sure if I did with, was it Tess's death? There was a, no, there was a moment in, in two that really got me. There was like a line. Sure. It may have been, is it everything you ever hoped for? That line always gets me. Where's the, what's the context that. of that? I've forgotten that one. It's everything you've ever- uh, When they first, they escaped the museum and they're looking out. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Across yeah, the city. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the first yeah, one she's yeah, seen, yeah, yeah. seen gotcha. the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually have a, a picture signed by uh, Troy Baker. Oh, cool. And he wrote it. It's like, was it everything you ever- Oh, that's awesome. Or whatever it is. It's so good. Um, now everyone thought, oh, surely the show can't get any sadder. <laughs> and then we're introduced to Sam and Henry. Right. Uh, and also, also, well, let's let's go through these two first. Sorry, can um, I, just, one, just one thing before we move on, just because I was thinking about now. Did I tell you the story of my partner watching this as my partner who hasn't played the game? No. In episode two, somewhere on the line, when I knew that was going to be an episode that Tess died, right? Steph, my fiance, asked me, it's like, is Tess is around like for the whole game, right? She sticks around. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. She's, she's around for the whole thing. And then she dies and was like, you cannot ask me that question. Just don't ask it. Don't ask if people are going to die. Don't, because it's going to ruin this experience for you because the answer is probably yes, they're going to die. <laughs> I admire your dedication to to narrative that you would just bold-faced lie to <laughs> bold your face. face. Lie. Like, you don't, now you, you'd lesson learn. No, she's the main me. character. She lives forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and we all want that to be the case. I was like, it's- no. I'm sorry, it's not happening. Sorry, go on. You were talking about uh, and in and and in that way as well. Yeah. Um, Sam and Henry. So we meet these two, and they. It, this is quite different from the game. So in the game, mm. when they get to whatever city it is, there's that whole sequence with the the ambush. Yeah. Which I think they did really well. Me too. Um, yeah, yeah. I love that. And when that scene was so uncomfortable, when Ellie shot the guy in the spine, and it it just became real mm. like something has to be done here and that that guy begging for his life saying young kid begging for his life saying i can't feel my legs anymore that hurt to watch and joel just knowing i have to do something here and then apologizing to ellie because mm. he blamed himself for what happened because he couldn't hear he was too slow which is a part which they explored a bit more because they got re- it got really interesting at one point and they sort of just left it. Was his hearing was his hearing gone in the game? I can't remember the hearing in one ear. No, yeah. So in the game, he's a bit of a terminator. He's pretty unstoppable. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing about I mean, how could it be? Because you're playing when, the character. When he went to just kill imagining wearing the headphones and like the left one doesn't work for some reason when the whole time you're playing the game that would have been dumb. Sorry, go on. Would be pretty cool. Would be interesting. <laughs> um. It would have been from when he tried to try to kill, kill himself. himself. Yeah, it made uh, sense. The, the, gun, yeah. the gunshot going off. Yeah, yeah. But him realizing that that moment in his life almost, you know, cost Ellie. I don't want to say cost Ellie her innocence because that's a really creepy saying that people have. But also, that happens about fourteen times throughout the length of this first season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's gone through some shit. So this is just another another bad. The first step down that road. But it was also a bonding experience when. When he teaches her how to use the gun and she feels trusted, mm-hmm. very cool. I really, really like that. And that was the first moment that he saw her not as cargo. I'm not going to say as a daughter, but she wasn't cargo. She was. She saved him. Thinking back to episode three for a second, before we got to the, the Bill and Frank stuff, we had the scene where Ellie found the gun, right? Oh, she, yes. Right? Which I don't remember from the game. No. What- did you feel like that was setting up there? Because at first I was like, 
they're setting up to be a little psycho, which is not untrue. <laughs> she is a little bit of a psycho in that sense. Uh, you know, can be very, very violent. Um, and I think it ends up being more of like she sees as being cool and a toy, and then the reality is it's actually pretty fucked up <laughs> when you shoot yeah. somebody, which she found out in episode four. Um, and so that payoff and that build up to her more respecting and and like she gets very very good with like using weapons and and being in situations tense situations stuff like that over the course of the show um but i like that sort of starting her off as being just like no respect for what she is fucking doing and no one just so innocent she doesn't understand how fucked up it is to actually shoot a person i actually think in my head it's a mixture of that like she does you know, she reads comics. She likes to play like video mm. games stuff. Like that. She idolizes the action stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is—I'm not going to have like some sort of pro gun message here. I'm not—I'm not Russell Gilbert, but um, <laughs> I think the way she sees it is, if I had a gun, I would have saved Riley. Sure, sure, okay. Because all she has is her knife. Mm-hmm. Um, in in that scene, and Riley is a pretty shit shot. Sorry, was a pretty shit shot. Um, I. To me, that's how it came across, but I would have liked to have seen that explored a bit more. Sure. Um, but I also like how then Joel didn't crack it at her for me, like, why do you have a gun? No, no, no. It's just like, okay, it happened. There was a lot of um, yeah, moments where other shows would have dealt, gone into that whole thing and they would have been pissed with each other. It's like, no, that's you did it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. I had to kill him. We, had to, we keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they camp out. We see Sam and Henry. A bit different from the game. In the game, this whole city, you fight basically like an unnamed militia. Uh, militia. There's no leader, so we mm. don't have a uh, Kathleen, but we'll get into it in a moment. Uh, you pass all that, and then you find Sam and Henry in this whole sequence in the sewers. We kind of saw a little bit of that. We saw the uh, the little uh, child care center Was that in that sequence? I think that was from later in the, the game, sequence. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, so they so moved Sam and this. Henry um, they basically pushed all this together. Yeah, which I liked. I was like, I was, I was hoping that bit was gonna be next. I remember that set basically in the game, and I was like, I was really cool to see. I was like, that's a cool place to include it because from memory, that in the game, the bit where they're like, he shows her the toy or whatever happens in like a skyscraper or something like that. It's just in a room. So like, this is yeah. a cool place for them to have that like bonding moment. Yeah, I love the whole thing. Every time they went to a city, it's like we find a skyscraper, we find out where we are. I'm like, oh, shit. All right, that's thanks for that survival tip. Mm-hmm. If I'm ever in a situation, I'll know to know what to do. Um, I also liked in that child care center, the little uh, note for um, Ish. So in this sequence in the, in the game, you learn about a guy, I, I believe his name was Ish, and he helped save all the kids and they saw him as a hero. Mm. Uh, and then you find his letters being being like, you know, we're fighting off more and more affected each day. These kids don't know what's about to happen. And then again, just top of my head, I'm pretty sure they actually kill the kids. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Like, there's no, we can't get out of here. Like, yeah. this is going to be painless for them. Uh, it's really sad, but it's all told through notes, so you can mm-hmm. skip it. But there was a, there was a, a child drawing of Ish as like a superhero, which I, I absolutely touched me. Um, speaking of superheroes, Sam and Henry. Sam sees Henry as his superhero, and it's a really touching moment where they paint the the kind of the the, the face mask. Yeah, on, that was on. cool. I love that. And then you see that shot later with Henry looking at the window and he's the red reflection. Mm. And it's meant to show him as a superhero because he is a extraordinary um, brother to Sam. I really like that. Um, I don't even have his name. The guy who played Henry learned sign language yeah. for the scenes and things like that. I, I That attention to detail is really good. It made them feel so much closer because the only person Sam could understand was Henry. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that. 
and Henry knew how important it was. So he had to, when they're hiding the roof and he gets them like crayons and it's like, be a kid. Like you deserve a childhood. It can't always be this heavy. I really bought into their relationship, um, which made the inevitable ending hard. Yeah. Again, something you knew was going to happen. Um, do you think the show was equally as effective, more effective, less effective than the game was? Um, for this particular scene. Oh. Or see, just in general, the stuff they did with the brothers. With Henry and Sam? Yeah. I, it's a mixed bag because of another character who I think they kind of did dirty. Sure. Kathleen. Yeah. She wasn't in the I game, l- right? No, she's a whole she's a whole new character. Yeah. So that militia was just just yeah. guys, just a bunch of dudes being dicks. Uh, now they had a formation. We saw a bit of flashback. She had a purpose. She had a reason to hunt um, Henry, which again isn't in, in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I re- like Melanie Linsky is such a good actor that she deserved her own arc. She really didn't get many scenes here. I think and she then- got lots of scenes. I just think for whatever reason it didn't really hit. That the character, I saw some people like boiling it down to, it just feels like a Karen, right? Which is really, really, really uh, reducing it beyond, uh, you know, anything help- helpful there. But I kind of get the sentiment. She didn't, I, I did not find her particularly interesting or compelling. Um, I think I the need I- her do something evil. Yeah. I, th- I, like, I think the idea of her is makes sense. Like, someone's going to take the control. Fedra fucked. We fought back against Fedra. Um, but it was a little bit blunt in the whole, like, they're just as bad. They're no different than Fedra. They're also just killing people indiscriminately. They're not actually saving people. And I don't know. It needed to be actually needed to be a little bit more subtle, I think, if anything else. I think it was just a little bit too on the nose. Her character was too on the nose. Um, she came across... Whereas, like, you think about David later on... The way they did his character and they build to the reveal of how fucked he is was way more effective than what they did with her character, which I think she was just straight up was like the first time she kills the doctor who like brought her into this world. And we don't understand why she's chasing down um, Sam and Henry. It's just like, oh, you're just you're just a piece of shit. And it was like it was hard to have too personal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Why are people following? She's okay. I really like idea, the idea yeah. of, in a situation like that, the leader is the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it should be. And it's rarely shown in, in TV shows and movies. It's always the strongest person mm-hmm. who aren't necessarily the, the best leaders. I needed her to do something very smart. Yes. I need to show really show yeah. why why is she the leader and why are people following her blindly? Because um, we had the guy, it was the guy who plays Tommy in the game. Um, yeah, who was playing like her second in command or whatever. Yeah, who got absolutely fucking bodied <laughs> by the bloater. Yes, holy shit! I also like how the bloaters and all these like clickers and stuff come out come out of the uh, the woodwork, mm-hmm. or come out of the ground, and then it's like just run away, <laughs> no resolution, run away. That whole city's fucked. Everyone in there is dead because we've got little um, the little infected Megan. Clawing oh, people's yes. faces. Yes, that was a great that sequence. Was so cool. Um, was that a new idea? I don't remember that from the game, the Megan bit. Yeah, no kids in the game. The other thing when, was that sequence where um, Joel's up in like the house with the sniper rifle. Is that from the game? Yes, and actually, you've actually brought up an interesting point. I, I, I was wrong. They are the militia are hunting Henry. 
because the militia do come to that section and then the clickers come, but it's a bit different. Yes, it is. It is one of the most action-packed parts of the game. Yeah, super tense. I didn't think they were going to do it. It's my favorite. Whenever I play games, I'm a massive coward. I love a sniper rifle. <laughs> so that whole sniper sequence is. Tense. You like you like point and click games. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Damn it! I I normally use that joke on other people. Damn it. Um. That's that's. I think that's straight out of uh, Yahtzee Crochet. I think that's a zero punctuation thing. It's like a point and click adventure, but the only options are use gun on man. <laughs> miss and hit <laughs> exactly <laughs> your options um the whole sequence does happen a little bit different like there isn't a truck explosion which causes a hole in the ground and mm-hmm. how to break loose uh it's just it gets overrun by clickers yeah it's a very very cool cool little part of the game um so we see yeah we see all these different uh creatures coming out you see the bloater which we had seen in the trailers mm-hmm. It does some damage. It doesn't throw spores. What the fuck? What a missed opportunity. The part in the game where it literally rips chunks off itself and throws them at people. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. And if they want to give a character a bit of a, a gory death, because the gore in this show was pretty high when it wanted to be, mm-hmm. they really could have dissolved some faces with that thing. Uh, also, just we didn't mention it much with the clickers, the practical effects and the makeup team. Yeah, it's very cool. I, I didn't know that the bloater was practical until I saw it. Really? Um, it's behind the scenes stuff, yeah. The little girl who plays the... I'm, I'm just going to call the Megan. Um, she's a professional contortionist. Yeah, she's fucking awesome. Uh, as you would guess. So all the stuff she does <laughs> in the car is actually her. That's it's so one cool. of the most uncomfortable things I've ever seen. Uh, apparently she was really, really scared of the guy playing the bloater until he took the, the helmet off. <laughs> and show that he's an actual person. Give her the thumbs up. Um, that whole sequence is very, very cool. And I like how it was a little bit quick. It wasn't didn't drag on. It what you wouldn't stand and fight in that situation. You would run. It was. I, it was about like that whole sequence was just Joel keeping Ellie alive, like yeah. it, and just just shooting whatever clicker was about to grab her before it. It was so fucking cool that sequence. Probably the best action sequence in the in the show. I think. Yeah, yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Um, and, bro- and the one they put I, the most money and time into, I think, is the biggest, it's the biggest action sequence in the That's in the where the show. budget went. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That scene. Again, I don't love the way they dealt with um, uh, Kathleen. It, it Look, it was kind of funny. Was Me- she was Megan got her? Is that what happened? Megan got her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the whole thing, like, she was willing to sacrifice kids in order to, ki- to get vengeance, and then essentially a kid got her. I'm like, okay, I get that. Yeah, I think that was just a bit of a missed opportunity. But anyway, skipping forward, we have the talk between Sam and Ellie, mm. where Sam knows he's bitten. And in the game, this is a little bit different. Um, basically, they, they play, for me, again, top of my head, I've already gotten a few things with the game wrong. I apologize for nothing. Um, <laughs> They have a conversation, they're playing games, and they fall asleep. And then everyone's kind of... Ellie wakes up to him sitting in the corner, kind of shaking. Turns around and attacks her, knocks him through a wall, yada, yada, yada. Um, in this one, he basically says, I'm, I'm bitten, and shows her, and she shows him. Uh, and then write, she's writing notes on his little notepad, which I think was a really clever little mm-hmm. thing to have. Straight out of hush. And then tries to, tries to fix him. Mm. And when you watch it at first, it seems goofy. Because it's like putting her blood onto him. But at that moment, you realize she's a kid. Yeah. And to her, that, that just makes logical sense. And that's what made it really heartbreaking. Yeah. It, it's Because Bella Ramsey is older than Ellie is in the game, I often saw her as 
how old is Bella Ramsey? Like twenty ish? Nineteen or twenty now, I think. Yeah. Um, I would see her as you know a young adult, not a child. But there were moments that brought you back, and you realize she is a child. Like under underneath all this fucked up exterior and stuff like this, all these really adult, mature choices she has to make. She wants to be a kid, and she's gonna make. She doesn't understand the world. See, I had the opposite problem. I can't believe that she's actually fucking nineteen or twenty. Like I, she is very convincingly a, like a 14-year-old in my mind. Oh, I, I love him. I love him so much. Yeah. Uh, the the bit with the blood where she tries to, like, cure him with her blood, um, I didn't see it as goofy. I saw it as, like, sad because chances are it wasn't going to work. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to work because I knew how this turned out. But, like, also I thought was a really good way to see where how she's feeling about what her role is right this idea that she could be the cure and she says to joel later like she didn't think it was she thought knew it probably wasn't going to work but fuck she had to try like um oh I wow that, that that just that just clicked with the last part of the show for me fuck god damn it like if she was given the choice she would have taken it well mm. that's i mean that is the thesis is that she was given no choice. That's what Marlene says to Joel. We're getting way ahead of ourselves now, but like, yeah, you've taken the choice away from her too. Mind you, they were going to kill her without. Anyway, <laughs> Best, we'll get there in a moment. We'll get there. Um, but then, yeah. So Sam turns, attacks Ellie. Um, Henry kills him. <sighs> Fuck that Joel stuff. freezes. Mm. And then Henry kills himself. Yeah. And it was such a, cold feeling that moment and you know i, I knew it was gonna happen yeah. i i would have it would have been fascinating to be in the room with somebody who hadn't hadn't played the game like i mean so you watching it with your with your partner yeah this there were tears here <laughs> it yeah. was i mean yeah i i te- i 100 teed up it's and it was the thing you know you're talking about how it becomes repetitive like you meet people they die you go to the next episode you meet people and die at this stage it wasn't necessarily established that was a definite thing um because yes tess was along for the ride and she died but, and Bill and Frank did too, but that was off screen to the main character and happened like in a sequence. I think, I think Steph got the feeling that they were, maybe they're going to be, they were just going to part ways or going to be okay or they'll go a little bit further. They'll, they'll be, be a part of this storyline. So that tragic ending of the episode definitely got her by surprise. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the episode that I struggled to watch twice. Oh, you've watched them all twice. Wow. I watched them all twice. Yeah. Um, so I watched them Monday at one o'clock when they come out, just taking long lunch breaks. It's weird that one of my days that I work from home is a Monday. I don't know how that happened. That's crazy. <laughs> what a coincidence. Um, and then I watch them on Tuesday with my, my partner, yeah, sure. who watched me play the game. So she kind of knew a lot of the moments. Um, there was actually a, a sequence within this this part of the game, which is disappointed wasn't there more. The whole sewer part. Mm-hmm. She likes sewers and games. I don't know. <laughs> she likes sewer people. Look, she's been a Ninja Turtle for 11 years. She is. Have you seen, hey, what do you think of the new trailer? Cool, cool. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I like hopeful. it. I like, I like. Way off topic. It's amazing how how many times Ninja Turtles have managed to reinvent themselves. Um, and this is another. And again, it feels authentic and fresh at the same time. Um, uh, and I think it's cool that animation animated movies are starting to not all look like fucking hyper realistic or Pixarish anymore. And that Into the Spider Verse seems to have done a really good job of like allowing. St- studios to let their artists be a bit more bold and a bit more out there with their artistic style. So yeah, I'm all for it. I'll be, I'm looking forward to seeing it. 
Um, I'm just really glad that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are teenagers again. But I I don't have they ever really felt like teenagers. I don't even feel no, like any. until now. Yeah, this is the they, was, they feel like they're 14 now. Yeah, yeah, it's the first time that the the teenage the T and the TMNT actually seems like relevant for the first they, time that I can ever remember. They have been MNT for so long. <laughs> and been shit. Remember Michael Bay made them 12 foot fucking monster. Yeah, oh, right? God, yeah, they weren't teenagers then. Even in like, I lo- I really like the TMNT like 2006 CGI movie. Um, they don't really feel like, I mean, that's actually set after, I think that was a sequel to the first two live action films, actually. Um, they feel like adults in those films. Like, yeah. Well, I think it looks good. I'm, I've never been a big TMNT fan, but I probably will watch this because I just, I like the style. If, if, the, tra- the, if, the, if the future trailers continue to look good and look fun and not look, I don't know. The humor is always the thing with these things. Seth Rogen like can be a little bit hit or miss. Hit or miss. Yeah. What I like about it, it feels, it feels a little bit gross. Yes. You know what, it, it is the movie equivalent of being a kid and being given like slime toys and like they're covered in goo and stuff, but you look, like, it's, it's interesting. It's, the, the style seems the, to be like very sketchbooky and it, it kind of feels true to the original comics and, and a little bit, punk at the same time um the bit that sold it for me i think is that actually the the stinger on the trailer the whole bit about like you know you got infected by you know mutated by goo and they're like we prefer the word ooh, and just like that but like that performance there was like okay if, if that's the chemistry they have throughout the entire movie i'm i'm think this could be cool also great cast great cast yeah it's very exciting cast yeah some very cool people in there way off topic no. back to last well look we don't need to stay on topic here there's only two of us here okay true we can do whatever we want. There's no rules. Um, moving on, Joel finally reunites with Tommy. Um, he's been trying to contact Tommy for however long. Uh, he's just never got any, any sort of radio back. Uh, can you remind me, in the game, you meet him at the electric, like the- uh, Basically Jackson, it? yeah. They're, they're close to each other. So, Jackson's powered by that plant. Yeah, you meet them at the plant. You don't actually go to the town, do you? In you do game. go to the town eventually. You get brought there. Oh, do you? But in the first game? I'm trying to think. Because obviously the second no, game- No, so, no, so you are right. It's just the plant. It's just the plant, to, right? But it's like the whole workers' quarters of the- of, Right. Of the, yeah, now Jackson is- so there's a lot of part two in this episode, and we'll get to it in a moment. There's yes. a lot of part two. Right. You don't even see Jackson in part two. Yes, that's what um, I thought. That's what I thought, yeah. And this is the part where I got very, very excited for what's to come. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at, the, at this point, we get to Jackson. Um, they, they finally meet up. Uh, he hasn't heard from him for years. I forgot that at the, one of the first episodes, um, Ellie works out the codes. So there's a whole thing of like they'll play certain oh, songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like eighties means trouble, seventies is everything everything's good. Yep. And she's like, Oh, this song came on. He's like, What happened? And it's like, okay, that means trouble. That was a really, really cool moment for me. Mm, that was cool. That. Um, so we get there, we meet uh Tommy's wife. There's a great, great conversation about communism, which was one of my favorite scenes, favorite comedic scenes in the show. Yeah, that was very cool. Um we get to see uh, Ellie. We're literally a commune. <laughs> it's it's so good. There's this whole running thing about Ellie's obviously getting into puberty. Yeah, she she's got Def her- loved that bit. Like the the when she first finds the tampons in episode three, but then or the pads, whatever they are. But then the doing the, the moon cup thing, she was like, "Yeah, I've never seen this address before. It makes so much sense. It's so practical. 
So like she was really appreciated that. We're definitely the wrong two people to talk about it. But every <laughs> everybody every female I've spoken to about it is like that was very good. That was yeah. very good. That was just like a a, a good moment. And I'm really glad they they included that in because it, it again it it fleshes her out of the character. She yeah. is not cargo. She's an actual fleshed out character in this show, which I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. Um, but this actually, this episode had one of my least favorite moments in it. Ooh. The argument. So, Tommy reveals that he's about to have a kid. And Joel gets mad. And I fucking hate when shows do this. Because that, maybe I just haven't been in that argument. I mean, I'm, I don't want to have kids. So I've never been in this situation. But just to be mad at somebody for having a kid because you don't have a kid anymore, it felt weird. I would have really liked to have seen him a bit more gritting his teeth and saying, this hurts, but I'm I'm, 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 I'm happy for you. Sure, 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 sure. It did need to Not be. Not getting mad? Like, what? Like what's he angry about? He's angry at the world. I kind of get that. There's, but- a, there's a big couple of things. I mean, yeah, I think, I think ultimately what's informing his anger is that, is that- you know, what he's lost, you know, again, a reminder of the world is taken from him, what jo- what uh, Tommy's getting that he's not. I, the What he's trying to present as the argument is like, you need to do this because I can't. And that this is a, he knows it's the right choice because oh, he would do anything to keep, you know, have Sarah back. But also he just, he's so convinced because he lost Sarah that he's not going to be able to look after Ellie and he needs Tommy to do it at that point. So there's like there's a couple of conflicting yeah. things in there, which does help because I didn't get that read specifically, but I understand what you're saying. It's like these do arguments like that do happen sometimes. Sometimes just like and especially at this point, Joel is going through like recognizable anxiety problems here at the moment. That puts you on edge. That makes you argumentative sometimes. That makes you, you know, uh, bite back at people when you logically shouldn't. You're emotionally in a different place. I would have liked to have seen that a bit more because, I mean, this is the episode which really shows his mental strain. Mm. He's having panic attack. He thinks he sees Sarah at one point. Mm. There's that scene where he breaks down when he's trying to fix his shoes, which I think is one of probably Pedro's best scene Mm -hmm. in the the, the show for me. Um, Very, very moving. Him talking about him not being good enough. He's he's too weak for this. Yeah. Um. At this point, he wants to protect her, but he 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 can't do anymore. That was heartbreaking. Seeing mm-hmm. him actually ad- admit that, especially again in the game, he's a bit of a Terminator. Mm-hmm. Seeing this vulnerability to him was a, um really interesting. But I also want to go back. Um. There was a a secret character drop in this episode. <laughs> there was Shadow a dropped Dina or whatever her name is. <laughs> yeah, you see Dina when it cuts to the barnyard. And I had these flashbacks to part two. There's yeah. a magical scene in the barnyard. And oh, I had flashbacks to that E3 where they recreated the that E3 barnyard. <laughs> yeah. um, I had the biggest smile on my face when I saw that. And then you see this young girl looking at Ellie. Um, and again, at this point, I, I wonder if if people who hadn't played the game at this point knew that Ellie was gay. No, probably not. I mean... I don't know if there's no, that, there's is, that line. I don't know if no is the word. Oh, at this point, probably not. Probably not. Um, there is. I think there's a, there is an offhanded line which is having that conversation with Tess. Um, I, the conversation between Tess and Ellie were very, very good. But I think Tess is asking, you know, do you have parents, your brother, sisters, boyfriend? And then she, the way she says no to boyfriend, sure. like no, yeah, <laughs> was 
when you know, I'm like, that was, that that's was, the that thing. Was. I think that was one of those ones that you maybe you picked up on it, but if especially if you know, you know, if you know, you can pick it up. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, I, I think for people who haven't played the game, if you're interested in watching it a second time, you'll pick up on a lot of little, little key mm. moments. Um, but you see this girl looking at her and to know that that's Dina and they, they, there was something between them at first sight was, I quite liked. I think that was really sweet. Um, Didn't Ellie just like, like, what the fuck are you looking at? What the fuck are you looking at? (laughs) I loved all the comments I would see um, on like Facebook and Twitter being like, I'm really enjoying the show, but that Ellie just swears too much. Really? (laughs) Fuck off. That was was their problem with the show. It's like, it's not the violence. It's not the dead kids. It's not any of that sort of stuff. She just says the F word too much. F word too much. Um, Bless him. Bless him. Anyway, episode um, builds to a scene ripped straight from the games where mm. Ellie overhears Joel say, I can't do this anymore. You need to take her. And there's a confrontation. And this is one of those moments that's straight from the game. Is this one of the ones that you thought may have been a bit wonky? Or do you think- No, this actually, really I'd forgotten this was from the game, honestly. Um, I had no problems with this scene. Did you have problems with this scene? No, not at all. I loved no. it. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this was the, the tear up moment for me in this episode, uh, which got me going in the game as well. I mm-hmm. think there's- Bella Ramsey, I this may be the best um, performance I've seen from from a young person. Oh, uh, for she's, a long, long time. She makes space on your shelf, shelf, Bella. You're gonna have an Emmy this time next year. Like, oh. how the fuck does she not win all the awards for her work in this entire show? Um, Pedro's been graced, but Bella Ramsey's fucking unreal. This is Bella's show. Yeah, yeah. Which Joel's is, the card right. at this point, which is right. um. <laughs> Which is right and definitely leads into things going further down the track. Yeah. Um, her vulnerability in the scene and mm. genuine hurt in her voice of when she's like, you know, everyone left me but you and she hits him gets me every time. I, mm. I That was masterfully done. And I, I can't remember if Pedro said it. There, there is one part that Pedro doesn't say that Joel does. And I think I think she's talking about Sarah, and he mm. says you're skating, you're on some mighty thin ice here. Sure, yeah. And I'm not sure if he says it in the show. I can't. I remember think he it, does actually. I think he does. Yeah, I really like that line. Yeah. Um, that whole scene was was great. And then cuts to the next day. Um, you think that Tommy's going to take her to go to the hospital? Yada yada yada. He gives her a choice, and straight away he just gives him the bag. It's like fuck off, let's go. And they're just good from there on. They're like, mm-hmm. we know we have, we had to get that all out of the way. We are good now. And they're- But it really informs what happens next. So because Joel does, like, he almost dies he immediately afterwards. instantly. Re- exactly right. Like, he, she- all his worst fears come to come to light. It's not instantly because of that Basically. mighty good montage. Is there a big- mo- tre- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're yeah, trekking yeah, yeah. through in some really, really nice shots. I mean, sure. The cinematography in the show is Beautiful. fantastic for a TV, especially for, for a TV show. Um, but it's just them going around- I think she reads out a few more puns from her joke book, which we'll get to the joke book soon. Uh, and just him becoming a father figure and teaching her some lessons, like how to. I think this is a point where he teaches her how to hunt, which comes in useful soon. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this little montage. From here on, up until this point in the game, the Joel and Ellie relationship was very, very similar to what it was in the game. Mm-hmm. However, from this point onwards, Joel was a very different character to what he was. Mm-hmm. His friendly side a lot more friendly a lot more jovial his dark side which we'll get to a lot 
a lot darker, pitch black. Um, they almost felt like they are in... Have you seen the interviews with Pedro and Bell? I have seen a couple of them, yeah. They are just like... Best pals. Super charismatic and energe- yeah. energetic around each other. They're best mates. Yeah. And you could feel that from here on, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they get to the university. They see some monkeys. I thought they weren't going to include the monkeys. I'm very happy about that. Uh, so there's some raiders. Joel doesn't hear one of them and uh, get, get shanked with the end of a baseball bat. In the game, a little bit different. He gets into a bit of fisticuffs. He's pushed off a ledge. Yeah. And he gets a bit of rebar right through the gut. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a bit more of a fatality in the real world. This, look, she just injects penicillin straight into it and it cures him, but whatever, it's magic. I, there's, a, there's a really subtle thing. I'm not sure they did this on purpose, but when I saw it, I'm like, I, I kind of hope that mentioned in some regard, or it's at least a visual cue that they have. You, when you see the cut, because it's the end of a baseball bat, so it's a circular cut. When that stab wound heals, it didn't look like a bite mark. Oh, did it? But, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it, 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 because of how it's circular and a little bit jagged, um, when you oh. see her treating the wound, yeah. it looks like teeth marks. So you'd oh, imagine when I cure... It's a real small thing I noticed um, on, on a rewatch, which I, I thought was quite interesting. But Ellie drags into a safe house. Hold on. How did you feel about that change? The change from... You said it was like it's probably more of a fatality in real life. A lot of people thought this was a, one of the bad changes. Like, because that scene in the game, and I rewatched it, like, because I remembered how, how it happened. I was like, oh, that was a little bit less intense than it was in the game. He falls on the, the rebarb and the then the Ellie dragging him, you know, trying to drag him out. She's going ahead and shooting people. And I know why they didn't do that stuff, but it was so intense that moment in the game that I did feel like maybe... I understand why he didn't do it exactly the same. I understand why he didn't have the fall. I understand why he was stabbed. But it didn't have quite the same impact. I thought it was less impactful than it was in the game. I think I didn't mind it for two reasons. One, how that scene directly links into David, and we'll get there soon, because of who was killed. Sure, Um, sure, sure, sure. And in the game, they don't really get into Joel's ailing body. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's... Losing his wits a little bit, mm-hmm. losing his step. They don't have that in the game. So to actually have that moment play out because mm-hmm. he genuinely is getting weak, I think that was a good choice. You can't have Ellie or Joel really in this show go full maniac mode until the end. No, I agree. I, I, Ellie I, sort of does. I think it's, I could, I'm fine without Ellie going maniac mode, as you said. I'm fine with him being stabbed and like it being a confrontation rather than it being a fight. Then he falls on the thing. Right. I, I just wish they found a way to make it feel the, like the injury feels intense. It just kind of felt a little bit, I don't know, just felt a little bit limp. If that makes I, sense. I kind of, I, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. It, it maybe didn't have that sort of edge that it did in the game, but yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same it, just, time, it missed that there was, it, I, I did miss that a little bit. Video game logic can make much bigger leaps. Yeah, is, totally. 100%. You know, he could have yeah, got yeah. a shotgun blast to the chest and taken a few pills and been fine. Yeah, it's true, true, in, true, In true. the game, because, I mean, he does. In this, it needs to be something that he could come back from. And even yeah, then, look, yeah. this is a stretch. Like he, no, you're right, you're right. And Druckmann has said this is exactly why they did it, and I, it's, it is the right choice. Um, I'm allowed to miss it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, there's definitely some some action scenes, again, from the yeah. game. As we're talking about, I'm remembering some moments. Um, 
with Bill when you get uh, flipped upside down, you're tied up. Yeah. And oh, you're trying yeah, to protect yeah, Ellie yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could have been pretty insane. That could have been cool. Um, but mm. moving on, she uh, saves him. He's really, really messed up at this point and mm. basically says, go, go back to Tommy. Leave me to die. And then rather than her like, oh, I'll take you out of your misery with my bat, leaves him and he's just in the, he sounds like me after after a run. <laughs> <laughs> just sounds like shit. And she's about to um, leave and then we get a flashback episode. Um, this is the, the, the DLC from Last of Us uh, Left Behind, which shows the story of how Ellie gets bitten um, and it traces her, her relationship with, with Riley. What did you think of Left Behind as a whole? It's my favorite. It's my favorite part of the first game. It's. I think I didn't play it until after I finished the game, and it was the highlight for me. I thought it was the best part of the game. So well done. Now in the game, there's the flashback part, but also the quote unquote modern day parts. Sure. Where it's it's still Ellie going through a mall, Mm -hmm. but there's this whole sub story about like there was an uh, army helicopter that crashed there. There's a bunch of infected. She has to go through. Yada yada yada. Um, and then I think there's also a few of David Raiders around as well. In the show, we don't see that. We only see the date night, really. Yeah. Um, what did you think about that change? D- didn't miss it for a second. Like, yeah. it's, again, it's like, that's the bit that needed to be there because it was a game. But the bit that made that DLC memorable wasn't, I mean, it was playing as Ellie, I guess, because I think it's the only time you get to play as Ellie, really, in the yep. in the first game. Um, but it was just more of the same gameplay that I've done. It was the playing through the flashback that was the bit that was memorable. Um, the, the flashback is why Left Behind was made. Yes, the the modern day stuff is why it cost forty bucks. Yeah, that exactly. was the gameplay. Exa- exactly but right. Exactly. The right. only reason Neil yeah. and the team said, "Look, we're going to do this," is to tell that story, to flesh it out, and. Add so much gravitas to so much yeah. of Ellie's character in the same way that episode three really informed Joel's character and mm-hmm. decisions both going forward and retroactively. This did the same with Ellie. Or you would say even just the flashback at the like the, the opening of the show, basically. It's like this is Ellie's version of that. You want an origin story of why these people are why they are. Well, it was Sarah for Joel and it's Riley for, for Ellie. And you also realize. You know, she's mentioned loss before, but she doesn't get into it. She yeah. had because she had she still hasn't quite processed what's happened. Um, you realize how often she bites her tongue for the sake of people around her, uh, and mm-hmm. also for her to protect herself because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to admit it. She does get into it later in the, in the last episode. She gets into it. Uh, her whole personality is is designed to push people away. Yeah, um, and she, which is the which is the oxymoron here, of course, and that's that's what makes her an interesting person. Is but she talks about Joel being the only one who hasn't left. It's like she has put up this wall, this per- this this bratty persona she's got that keeps people at a distance. Anyway, have um, you read the um, Left Behind comic? No, didn't know there I've, was one. I've, I've uh, got it somewhere. I think it may be a little bit tricky to find, but I'm happy to lend it to you. I've read it that. for a while, but it, it's good. It's really good. Is it the sa- is it essentially the same thing as the? I think there's a little bit more to it. Oh, cool! It does flesh out a little moments. It's um, yeah, I'll need to dig it out somewhere. Mm. Uh, but I I digress. We see the mall day, and it's it's fantastic. Um, it is. It's they're really good. Riley friends. takes they're her. Really, they're really, 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 really good friends. Really good friends, Jesse. Friends. <laughs> um, just you know, just a friend date. 
know, it happens. Was it HBO was it, or was it PlayStation that tweeted that out as bait before the episode came out? That's so funny. Was well so played. Funny. Well done. Very well played. Um, so they go there and I think Riley's going to show, um, Storm Reed of Riley is going to show Ellie the, the, what are the, the five, um, five wonders of the mall or whatever. Five wonders of the mall. Well, it becomes six because of the escalator. Right. Yeah. Killed me. Electric yeah, stairs. That. Uh, Seeing the wonderment in her eyes as well when the mall gets lit up and realizing that she's never seen anything like that before. Mm. There were so many moments in this where you just saw her eyes widen. Yeah. And it's like, you don't appreciate that. And it, it's it's nice to see that. And this is what really separates, I think, this from a lot of other zombie mediums that have kids and kids in them, like Walking Dead and stuff like that. This allowed kids to be kids and it actually showed what they've lost. And it's not just family members and friends and, and yada 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 it's mm. the chance to be a kid and fuck around and do dumb shit she just wanted to go to the arcade and spend a shit ton of money playing Mortal Kombat 2 how now, did, that. did you see people were upset that because I, I believe in the game they can't turn the arcade on they have to like pretend yeah also it wasn't Mortal Kombat um, because no, it, it was it was just it. made up, right? It was just a made up if game. You, if you can get the licensing for Mortal Kombat, you do it and show a lot of, of course, it. Of course, you do. Absolutely, you put Mortal Kombat in. Why wouldn't you? Um, because especially, I think in a TV show, right? I understand why that you couldn't do it, and why I even see why people. Some people are talking about like it. It's a sh- the imagination part of it was meaningful to them rather than actually playing a real video game. I sort of see that argument if that's how you feel about it, but I think. It making it more combat two does not take away. It just enhanced it for me. It's like I recognize this. I recognize this is an older game than even this. More combat two came out in the nineties. This is like two thousand and ten ish, probably by this point, or t- t- two thousand and fifteen or whatever. Um, like this is an old game then, but the wonder minute brings them, and you think back to you playing as a kid or whatever. Like it's, I thought it was, it was great. The way I sort of read that and her love for much older things is because any sort of electronical storage of information she can't get so mm. she would have been relying on magazines and books and yada yada which would have taken her about a decade further back sure that, that's a really good to point, me yeah. that's what kind of um explained her love for like the older action films and, and and things like that even even music yeah she doesn't like anything from her from kind of when the outbreak started it's all much older because I, I just imagine that would have stuck around um yeah she so wasn't like, listening to will Enium. she should have been um she would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, some big bros, if you will. <laughs> I bring up that, that, that band slash song so often. <laughs> There's a line in it where one of the one of the singers. Now this is a diversion. <laughs> one of the singers says, "My name's. Uh, I bet you won't forget my name." And she's the <laughs> only one whose name I can't remember. Just the irony, poetic irony of that. Absolute confidence of that. Anyway, back to this. Um. <laughs> We get the uh, the Ferris wheel, and some of uh, the, my merry go round, merry go round, Ferris wheels go like this up. I ha- yeah, I've spoken about Ferris wheels a lot in the show, and my my hatred of of them. They're stupid. <laughs> They're just chairs that go up, but this is a chair that goes around and has horses on it, which exactly. makes it much better, much better. Um, and they they also play the cure, which is a nice touch. Mm. Uh, there is. One of my favorite moments, and they're not talking to each other. They've had a few drinks at this point, these two. And Riley is looking off in the distance, and Ellie's just shooting her these little looks. 
And then you realize that Riley actually can see her in the reflection. And they're looking at each other without knowing they're looking at each other. I adore that. I think that is some of the best subtle acting in this whole show. That that was really, really beautiful, that moment. Um, they knocked it. These these two actresses just oh knocked God, it out of the park the entire thing. Um, the really, the booth. whole episode. Yeah, the photo booth was brilliant. I love that it really didn't work. Like, the ink was so dry, it barely worked. Um, they, they, I don't think they did a, put a foot wrong through this entire thing. I think it was the only only part of this entire episode that I wish was was actually like the game was I wish they ended up on the roof with the sun coming up. Isn't that how it goes down the game? It doesn't I'll happen get to in the moment because I'm actually glad they didn't do that. Okay. I always find the end of that really messy, but I'll get to that. They have a, yeah, they're having a conversation. They have that conversation about Victoria's Secret mm-hmm. and why do people wear this? And the part I really like of, you know, Oh, my mum told me that when outbreak happened, everyone was stealing stuff that they needed. And she's like, okay, cool. So sneakers, yes. Body soap, no. <laughs> I would have I would be at body shop like that. <laughs> um I'd blow myself up with bath bombs. It'd be fantastic. Anyway, they go through all these different little moments and then um they have a fight. Ellie's like, you you you're gonna leave. That's what this is. I I would rather just let's just break it off. If I'm here for a minute more, mm. it would just get harder and harder to watch you leave. Um, again, really, really well acted. She leaves. He's a scream. It turns out to be the Halloween store. Halloween store is one of my favorite parts of Left Behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a little bit of boogie. They have a little bit of a just friends kiss, as they mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, Very good friends. Really good. And that moment when they pull back from each other and that smile they both have. Yeah, that's wonderful. Oh, God damn. So good. Um, but then, of course... Cordyceps won't let anyone have any peace. Um, what I can only assume is a homophobic zombie um, <laughs> comes up to attack. <laughs> comes up to attack them. They go to fight him off. Riley's a shit shot. Ali's got a knife. Does kill the shit out of him. Shows her violent heart. Um, but they're both bitten, and they have that conversation about you know what do we do? Uh, and I like how Riley's like you know we have three we have we have two options. One, we shoot each other. I don't like that option though. Second option is we we stay here and we we lose our minds together. And then I really like when Ellie's like, "What option three? And she says, "I'm sorry." Mm. Um, this show is really really good at putting two characters together and either taking a choice from them or giving them a choice, but they have to do something with it. So Bill and Frank, the choice was taken away from them. The only logical decision was to die together. Mm-hmm. Henry and Sam, the choice was taken away from them. They had to die together, um, but that's that's it's interesting. The when you consider the the Bill and Frank of it versus the Riley and Ellie is where they are in their lives, and again, why this is more of a tragedy with the girls than it is with the the yeah, guys because they're at the end of their life, right? Like they've done it. They they've have lived it. a long yeah. life. The whole choice that Riley is making here, or the choice that the option she's putting out there, is let's lose our minds together because. Like we're so it's young, something. it's just let's just have as much of whatever we can of this because we, you know, it's just so unfair. Um, they literally just basically realized what they were. I think Riley decided she wasn't going to go. Right? She was going to stick. Yeah, around she was going to well. Like they were at the beginning of that's the tragedy, right? That's the Romeo that's and fair. Juliet yeah. of it, as opposed to the Bill and Bill and Frank, which is there to the end of their natural lives anyway. Um, especially I keep the sort going of to say Bill and Ted. I went to say it as well, actually. Yeah, which would be a very good look. If somebody can can um 
That will be the first good use of AI. <laughs> so if you can put Bill Make and Ted wow. into the Bill and Frank episode of Last of Us, I'd be very, That's very fun. happy with that. Um, so, yeah, we see that. So, like you said, in the game, this bit goes in a little bit longer. They go to the rooftop. They're still being chased, and I think. And I think Marlene comes in the end and finds oh, Ellie. Oh, I'd forgotten for, that. Look, for memory, I, I may be getting that one wrong. I haven't played a lot. I, I, I think haven't... cutting it. So, do, does it show past Riley actually turning in the game? I thought it just ended with them on the rooftop, basically the same spot as it does in the show. Just they were, they were, it was the sun coming up rather than it being in the mall still was how really? I remembered it. But it's been, I've played it once and it was years ago. I, I liked them cutting before either one of them turned. I agree with that. Yeah. The implications like, and it, it is explained a little bit more in the last episode, um, but where it lets your mind go is pretty horrific. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, that that is a very very uncomfortable and just a it's a wrong situation. That situation should not happen to any 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 sort of kid. You think um, about how that plays into Ellie's bit with is it Henry or Sam the little kid? Ah, uh, Sam. W- with Sam, right? Like she has been in this exact scenario before, except this time she knows she's not going to turn, but he is. Um, well, more than likely, she tries the cure thing, obviously. But like she's she's literally watched this happen once before. Um, I think it's also her understanding how important comfort is. Yeah, she yeah, probably yeah, didn't yeah, yeah, knew yeah. that this wouldn't work. But yeah. he's a kid and he's gonna believe it and he's gonna go to sleep. And that you Knowing, think about that choice, that right? The choice not to tell Joel or to tell his brother. Uh, yeah, to, to to let him have the night is because she's made that choice once before. Yeah, like they lost. She yeah. He was able to lose his mind with her. Yeah. And he was able to, she gave him whatever that was that night of them playing games or whatever it was. Oh, oh wow. That really put that together I'm before. sorry. <laughs> Where she says, I'm sorry. And she puts the thing down. Yeah. And she says, I'm sorry. And so did Riley with the third option. God damn this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also just click with them playing the cure. She's the cure. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, so at that point, back to, snap back to reality. Um, Hope that goes gravity. Yeah, I'm so glad you did that. It's all, it's all <laughs> like you. <laughs> um, that's back. Um, Ellie decides to stay with Joel. She's going to look after him. She's going to go hunt some some deer and try and get some medicine if she can. She shoots a deer. Um, and well, actually, so before that, the, the next episode actually starts with a uh, a sermon before dinner, uh, led by by David from mm. um. Oh, what's this? What's the ski resort called? Blanked on the same, but he's he's got a, a congregation. I'm gonna I'm gonna use all the biblical terms here hmm. because I think they lean to the fact that he's a pastor a little bit more mm-hmm. in the in the in the show than they did in the game. Um, and he's basically saying, "What we need will be provided to us. The Lord will be will provide." Except in this case, he sees himself as the Lord, and the the provisions is uh, human meat, long <laughs> pig, if you will, or in a certain little girl's case, her dad. Mm. Um, they're clearly preparing to eat the person that Joel killed. That which- bit later in the episode when they've got the meat and they say, what is it? And it's veal. Now, we know the deer had been killed at that point. So, initially, not you and I, because people know the story, but if you're not familiar with the story, you're thinking, oh, okay, so they got back with the deer. But then you see them drag the deer in the next scene. I wonder how many people went, wait, wait a second. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. They get the deer. Uh, David's there with with Troy Baker, 
So mm. a lot of the original cast have moments here. Um, and we'll get to Ashley Johnson's in a moment because I, I was very, very impressed. And Laura this. Bailey. Oh, uh, yes, and Laura Bailey was at the right at the end. So, yeah, yeah we had uh, yeah, we had, we had everyone. But, yeah, Troy Baker's in here. He goes off to get medicine, yada, yada, yada. Ali holds David hostage, and they start to talk. And David is a very smooth talker. He's a, he's an ex-teacher. He's a preacher. And it rhymes. Oh, she makes a joke as well. Um, and she lets her guard down both emotionally and physically. And uh, Troy is able to get the jump on her. They click with, hey, there's a madman and a little girl going around killing our people. Um, and they let her escape because they don't, they know that they can track her. And they're that confident they actually go back home. Yeah. They go yeah. back and like, like, let's get no, people together. Don't worry about there's a snowstorm or anything overnight and like the tracks get lost. We'll, we'll still figure it out. It's, it's fine. fine. There's a massive leap in time in this episode, which I'll get to it. It bugs me. It bugs me still. Um, anyway, they track Ellie. This is the point where Ellie's in full survival mode, but also realizing that without Joel, she's she can't do this. Yeah, she's very very panicking. She's making rash decisions, so she tries to, to drive off these um attackers. They shoot the horse. Rest in peace, Shimmer. Uh, and then they drag her away put her in a cage and he, uh, David basically tells his men look if you want vengeance go go claim it uh, and they all start hunting Joel this is where I have a complaint mm. and it's, my normal complaint with TV shows and movies is regarding how time works mm-hmm. somehow they are able to take Ellie all the way back to the their campsite at the start of the episode Ellie, like, and I don't know which way Ellie's gone. She may have gone away from the campsite, but they say that their little, um, you know, up order operations is about five miles away. David is somehow able to take Ellie to a place. I may not be the. I think it is the campsite proper because uh, it is because it's got the, the it's got the diner and like the uh, yeah. Sweeney. No, it's not Sweeney. Todd's the Todd's the butcher and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. able to take her back there. In the time that it takes, this small band of men where Joel is to go and start tracking him. Joel. And that, like, she, I have two, he, I have she's two thoughts. Questioned. I have two thoughts. I have two thoughts on how this might work. One, I don't know how big the town is, but they start looking, they're looking for a while, right? Before they finally find Joel's house. It's not cut in a way that suggests they've been looking for a long time, but maybe they were looking for a while before they finally found him. Number two, though. Five miles away from where they were when they met Ellie in the woods. Now, that could mean, I'm using my fingers here for you, there's a point in between the house of Joel and thing. Or it could be up here, right? So they could both be not heading towards each other, but like five. So actually, the town and the lodge are closer than they were when they found each other in the woods. Does that make sense? I was, when this first happened, and like the episode's incredible. This is a really, really, really good episode. But after it happened, I turned around to Sophie and I was like, I'm going to have to get a whiteboard, aren't I? I'm going to have to draw this out. <laughs> I, feel like Char- I feel like Charlie Day. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going mad with this, trying to work out, like, how does the timeline work? Today? That stuff does annoy sometimes, yeah. It, it, it got to me on this. It can get under your skin. Um, but yes, yeah, so there's a whole scene with David talking to Ellie. And at this point, we know that. David's a, a a monster. He's he's hit a young girl. He's done cannibalism. One of them is worse than the other, uh, in that case. But he's also a fucking pedophile. Um, was that in the game too? I can't remember. Yes, 
Okay. Yes. Uh, the way he talks about basically him needing a queen mm. to help, you know, lead these people, um, both of them with their violent hearts and stuff like that. And the way Ellie cl- notices that and then realizes that that could be a weakness for him <laughs> and says, uh, I love, she bites his fucking hand. Mm. And then when he's leaving, she's like, it's Ellie. He's like, what? It's like, you wanted my name. It's Ellie. You can tell, you know, you can tell him that Ellie broke your fucking finger or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, that's right. She like she's a maniac yeah. in this scene. But as as you yeah. would be. Um cut back to another maniac. Joel wakes up, starts just fucking eviscerate eviscerating cunts. Um, well, there's the torture, the where he yes. has the two of them and then he's uses the knife behind the kneecap and I didn't expect him. them to do this. Uh you didn't think they were gonna yeah. at the mo- at that moment, that was the most brutal part of the um the show so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Joel does this with the same look he has at the end of the end of the last episode. Yeah. And he pops the guy's kneecap off, he puts a knife in his mouth, and then his other mate's like, I believe him, clubs his head in. Uh that was a lot. And I know a lot of people were really taken aback by that. Because the show did eat know when to ease back on the violence and the action, mm-hmm. when it hit, like that pulled to that man's head, hit pretty fucking hard. And it it's it's jarring and it's uncomfortable. Um I think Shows like, you know, Game of Thrones, you do get desensitized to it. It does become kind of yeah. just gore porn. Uh, a point I made about the show. Did you ever watch Invincible, the Amazon yes. animated series? A point I made about that show, I was a little less hot on it than my co-host Damascus was in Hunting Seasons. Part of the reason was I felt it was so violent so often that I got desensitized to it. And it, and it made it less impactful. So in like the final moments, there's an ama- amazing sequence in the last episode. The train. Like what it is. Right, the, all of that stuff, the, the whole thing, right? But like, so much violence, and people don't comment and or seem to care about it. It, I'd stop caring about it, right? So it's like you got to choose your moments and how you use violence because if it's there all the time, you it does become mundane. And this show didn't do that. I, I very much agree with with that um, criticism. I love Invincible. That was really good, really really interesting take on superheroes. Mm. But when um. Uh, what's his name? The the dad, Omni Man. Omni Man basically remember. says, "Why you put these people? They're ants." He sort of proved the point of the show. They have just we're saving a planet of cannon fodder. Yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to them. But yes, I totally agree. So I think the way the show used violence was very um, allowed it to remain impactful. Yeah. Speaking of violence, um, possibly another reason there was less clickers and stuff like that too. It's like it's like make when those moments happen. It doesn't have to be every episode. So where it happens, it matters. Do you it know matters. What I mean? yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. They don't become like like Walking Dead. Who gives? Who gave a shit about and, the? And yeah. Dead. How do you keep escalating as well? It's like do you just keep adding more, and they become they become less and less of a threat as well. well it's Walking like Dead. Last episode, they started being like, oh, they can climb, they can run, and they can open doors now. Oh, the show ended. Hmm. They made them interesting in the last like ten minutes, which was a interesting choice. <laughs> um, I gave them that show on episode five, so. Yeah, no, nah, you were smart. I gave like <laughs> I went to like season five. I'm like, what am I doing? Here? I'm sad. <laughs> um, so yes, Last of Us. Um, they then go to kill Ellie. That's uh, David and um and Troy Baker. Troy Baker. She kills Troy Baker with an axe to the to the neck. It's very good. Thus e- ending his uh, acting in the, in the Last of Us. Um, I kind of wish it was like a blunt trauma to the head. Just as a little nod. You little know? nod? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think they should have beaten to death with an NFT. 
I don't really know what I mean by that, but I never, I never forgive Troy he, for that. He, didn't he pull back on that within like two days? Oh, he pu- pulled back on it hard. Real quick. He's, I love Troy Baker. He seems like such a fantastic dude. Uh, great singer as well. Very, oh, very yeah. good singer. Uh, the way he can be on social media at times is a little bit pompous. Yeah. yeah. Um, and look, credit to him. I'm glad he pulled back on that whole NFT thing that was going to, you know, put his fellow voice actors out of business. But the fact that he even looked into it that far was a bit, ugh, don't like that. Um, anyway, axe to the, well, butcher knife to the throat. And then we get the dining room sequence. Uh, this is a really, really, really tense moment in the game. When I play it, it goes for a lot longer because I'm very, very stealthy. Mm-hmm. Basically, the place is burning down. David wants her, you'd hope, dead. Um, but maybe not. He suggested otherwise. Uh, I mean, if you're willing to eat a person, a dead person, I feel like you're willing to do other things with them too. In an apocalypse, are you going to eat a person? In an apocalypse, am I going to eat a person? Yeah. How about no, let's, right. uh, plane crash, island plane crash. Um, Am I going to eat a person? Let's say... I'm the, not sure the, I'm ready to answer the hypothetical right here as I sit in my... There's no study. cops. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we both met via our good friend Joel. We're in a plane crash. Would we eat Joel? What would we eat Joel? <sighs> um, I'm saying yes. Definitively. I, I don't want to say definitively. There's a, yeah, there's a high possibility. There's a high possibility. <laughs> that's why that's why he won't be in the next few shows. <laughs> mm. I'm just gonna pick pick a little Joel out of my tea. <laughs> um whole fight happens with with David and Ellie. And uh David jumps on top of Ellie. At this point also we, we have uh Joel looking for them. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most horrifying scenes I've seen in in anything because of Bella's acting. Her mm. scream here hurt me on like a guttural level. Heard you? Sorry, I heard you say turned me on for some reason. Oh I no! Ready, I was ready to end the show. End the show. Wrap it up here. <laughs> God damn it! Sorry, I'm not a monster. Okay, I'd eat Joel, but <laughs> like you know, who wouldn't? <laughs> Man's a tasty morsel. Um, no, her her scream is it? It, it is like. Guttural, and if, if you can feel her pain in that, and then she grabs the knife, jumps on top of him, and oh, that's, that shot is incredible. Is him. Um, yeah. I, I like the little splash of like blood on the screen. It's not over the top, but it does. It has this distortion of that moment where you feel as enraged as her. Like you know, you you're seeing red, um, like she would be. But you, mm. I, I saw a lot of reviews basically being like every single time she she you know that that knife came down it it was for henry it was for sam it was for tess mm. it was for everyone that was like her moment of fucking snapping um and it was so well done by bella i i think that's yeah. the moment she deserves awards for i i agree i think it, that walking away from that i've been talking about it getting an emmy but i was like this, this is a sure thing after that episode like it's i don't see anyone outperforming her I say fuck the rules. Give her an egot. Give her give her everything for that. Okay. How did she get a Grammy for this? Maybe for season two, she can get a Grammy. She does see in season two. Well, yeah, yeah. follows the game. Um, what I also liked about this is it showed Joel doesn't always have to be the muscle. Doesn't always have to be the savior in this. He was there to save her emotionally at the end. Sure. And kind of 
got her back from the edge um, in a very, very touching scene oh, where he says baby amazing scene called too, her yeah. baby girl and there was yeah. a, he, he you realize he had to knock down his defenses completely to save her at that moment yeah that was the truest form of him saving her um i thought that was, that was supremely well done and that's the moment that really got me mm-hmm. um i'm just minutes after the um show f- finished baby girl was trending yeah i would like, say that yeah like okay I, was trending today what was trending okay was trending today well, speaking of last episode, let's just cut straight to the chase. They get to the hospital, Marlene. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Months. You've missed you've missed the first part of the episode. What, what, what the, I... Ashley Johnson. Oh yeah, shit! I did jump way too far. All right, we see another. We have another flashback to a moment not from the games. We see Ellie's mum, um, mm. played by Ashley Johnson, who voices Ellie what? in the games. Which wow? Okay, I'm I'm trying to imagine them approaching this. Like, okay, you can't play Ellie. Play Ellie's mum. How do you pass amazing. the character along? Yeah, like, like legitimately pass the DNA yeah, of the exactly character. Right. Yeah, but that was pretty amazing. She was wonderful in this scene as well, as always. Also occurred to me, you know, I talked about how Bella Ramsey does not invoke Ellie from the games in terms of her, like, look, her appearance. She does look like Ashley Johnson, though, and, like, is a believable daughter of Ashley Johnson. I was like, okay, maybe there was, that was the choice then. Interesting. Um, or I, I, that's why I wonder which came first, Bella Ramsey's casting. And then we're like, hey, you know who would be good to play Bella Ramsey's mom? Ashley Johns. That's interesting. Because yeah, yeah it, that. they do look alike. Um, it was just so nice hearing her voice, even her grunts and stuff. Because that's what I think of her in the game. Was yeah. like, Ellie's here. Uh, Ellie, so Ellie we see Prime. her. She's pregnant mm. in in what would be a pretty shitty situation. She's being chased by a runner. Um, she runs to an old farmhouse, which, if you've played part two, may look familiar. I don't know. Oh, really? It's a nod to, I think it's just a nod to part two, but there is a farmhouse that looks very much like that. I don't think it's going to be the same one. That'd be a bit much, but it was a nice little nod. Um, and we see as she's giving birth, she gets bitten. Mm. Uh, so the cause of virus goes into Ellie a little bit. Uh, enough for the rest of us to be like, oh, she's already infected. There's no, we don't have to infect her anymore, and it sort of nullifies the the predatory uh, aspect of of the cordyceps, which David was so into. Uh, we also then see you know Marlene come in, get the baby. Uh, Ashley begs for death, and I actually thought Marlene was going to leave her, mm. and that would have been rough. I didn't like that. Go back in and shoot her in the head. Yeah. Which, which to anyone listening, you all have permission to do to me if I'm ever infected. <laughs> the, so, so the science of the immunity is Ashley Johnson was bitten. The virus, or the, the fungus is then in her. It gets passed, transmitted essentially through the umbilical cord to Ellie, which is then cut off. And so she's pre-infected. Because I was, I was almost expecting her to breastfeed her and that might have been the thing that gave her immunity but she has to be actually infected infected well i also like that because ashley wouldn't have known i'm just gonna call her ashley um wouldn't have known that ellie is immune she would yeah known. she just said i cut as quickly as i could she's fine but she yeah. says she's hungry i i didn't breastfeed her just in case yeah yeah that was interesting too um, so it's, it's definitely through that like it was so quick too it's really interesting yeah I love the the adrenaline uh, assisted birth. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, "Oh, mm-hmm. it's out." <laughs> also, how most 
birds yeah, let's not do it in death. shows lately. Just come up behind me and go, boo, and try and uh. grab her and see if it just <laughs> comes out. Just comes out. Um, so many shows lately have shown childbirth as, obviously it's a very traumatic thing, but they've mm-hmm. shown it as a very traumatic moment. Not a beautiful thing. It is, um, oh shit, what was the, the Game of Thrones prequel thing called? Oh, House of Dragon. House of Dragon. Every single birth in that show was a bloody mess. Sure. This one just kind of happens. It was nice to almost have a happy moment. Oh, and when the baby's crying and she looks at me and is like, yeah, you fucking tell him. I love that so See, with that, much. That, again, that performance from Ashley Johnson, that moment, she was a fucking spectacular with that baby. She was so good. They got a proper freshie too. Oh, I was I really was- impressed what. Say, how do they do? Like, is that is that an actual baby? Like, what are they we doing? Were t- here? We were talking about that too, actually, Steph and I. We were wondering whether they were prem, and then they get to a point where they stay, where they still look real fresh, but they've been they're actually like four or six weeks old. Because it has to be premature them. birth, because then they have to register with the Screen Actors Guild and stuff like that. Exactly what I mean, right? Stuff, that, yeah, yeah. It kind of being just like we're next to a hospital. We'll just grab one from the incubator. Like, you know, it has to. Yeah, that was our feeling. Would you Would you want your baby in a TV show? Fuck no. I was <sighs> child actors and the way that kids are being like used, like so every child actor is fucked up and the way they're being used and abused on like social media and stuff like that for profit. No fucking way. I'm, I try not to use social media much stuff, but for Twitter, I use Instagram three times over my whole life for the first time in about a year. Um, I generally don't like putting that stuff out there. I'm going to put nothing of my daughter online. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a smart move. You, you you are really on um on uh, social media, but I feel like every time you are, it's like a scene from an action film where we both walk into a room together, we throw a gun to each other, and we just start cleaning up clowns together. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> that does happen. Yeah. If I am on Twitter, and Twitter is my is my social media of choice, it's usually to start a fight <laughs> with some <laughs> dickhead. So fun. happens a lot. Oh uh, yeah, I know. I get sucked in too easily though. Shout out to Major Tate fans. <laughs> Still get Shout the occasional out. occasional message. Shout out to uh, what's the lead singer of Queen now? Uh, Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert. You started his beef with Lambert fans. That was I don't know bonkers. How that happened? That was strange. Um, <clears throat> so back to the episode. Yada yada stuff happens. End up in hospital. Um, actually, I, I, I keep yada yada yaring and things. No, they have a really poignant moment where Joel admits. Take a half step back. There's one other thing I want oh, to about. No, I'm too excited. Okay. Which- before we get to the giraffes, oh, no. second, right? There was the first, or not the first, but one of my favorite like nods to the games, which was yep. the there's a ladder up there, I'll boost you up. I was like to Steph, I was like, oh my god, they're finally doing it. Because I've been expecting all season for there to be a scene where Ellie's on like a rafty thing and Joel has to push her through water. It never happened. I was they like, do mention so- episode two. They they mentioned she can't swim, right? They can't but swim they don't like well. They don't do that thing. I was like, it's got to be in there because it happens like three or four times in the game, right? Um, and so when the ladder thing happened, which happens how many times that happened in the game, um, I was like, this is great. And then when she like didn't bring it down, probably she like just threw it Throw down. It. She was too excited. I was like, oh, that was a nice little subversion for people who knew, who have, who have done this a million times. I thought that was wonderful. That 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 was great. And yes, sorry, I am sleeping way too far ahead. The giraffes. Yes. What do you think of the giraffe moment? I love it. I, I think it's such I, a I, I love it in moment. the game. I love it in the game. I loved it here too. 
I thought for sure they were CGI giraffes. Apparently, they were fucking real. Background was fake. Background was fake. I think they may have done some recolorize them because it's sort of like they look golden hour. Yeah, I think there was something that was done to to yeah color grade them or something that made them look not real. But they were there. They were there. It's such a well. Look, I'm going to get to it in a moment. We do have a few comments from um, some people who haven't played the game and watched the show. But uh, Tristan Coombs, who I reached out to. He said, also, I didn't understand the giraffes. What's your take on the giraffe? What do you think they symbolize? Not sure. It's, uh, if it symbolizes anything, I guess it's the idea that like beauty can still exist in this post-apocalyptic world, right? This is a good example of that. Um, I don't notice it symbolizes much more if it's just like one of those moments that you're meant to have, one of those last moments, especially in this episode. Those last, like, genuinely joyful, beautiful moments before everything goes to fucking shit. Like, yeah. the calm before the storm, essentially. I think in the game, look, it isn't the most elegant way of doing it, but we've just had Joel and Ellie go through their most traumatic moments. Mm-hmm. This, for lack of a better term, is meant to be the moment that fixes, quote-unquote, them. It's meant to be sure. that moment of beauty that makes them realize, hey, no... The ugliness we just saw isn't everything. We are mm-hmm. fighting for something more than that. Um, That's something the show, the, the game always did very well too, is is peppering in those moments of beauty where you do look over like a beautiful landscape or yeah. you do see the giraffes, whatever it might be. Like or even just little lines like when Joel's like, I'll teach you guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. All right, so we have the giraffes. Now I can get to the hospital. No, oh, I can't. Uh, no, I skipped again. again. Fuck me. Or the hospital. What happened when we recorded at 11.30 at night? My brain's breaking. Um, we have Joel admit to how he got the scar on his head. And so, he says, this is all new, right? None yeah. of this conversation happens in the game. I think it's alluded to somewhat okay. that he was suicidal, but not that he attempted. Um, but in the show, he's got a scar on his head, and he has the poor hearing out of the right side. Yeah. And he basically says, I put the gun to my head, and I don't know why, but I flinched. I, I stopped the last moment. I pulled the trigger, but I, you know, moved. Um, and then says, you know, time can't heal all wounds. Basically alludes to the fact that nothing has fixed him until Ellie was in his life. Mm-hmm. He now has a reason to live for. Like Bill with Frank, he now has purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a way to move forward and be happy. And I, this is a catalyst for, some, for what's about to happen. Yeah. Um, what did you think of that whole revelation and her base? I like how he's like, I know, I think I know, you know why I'm saying this sort of thing. Like, so I saw an interesting article, a Kotaku article. Um, I can't remember who wrote it. Sorry. Talking about how they feel like the TV show is fundamentally, the ending is fundamentally different from the game because they go out of their way to sort of explain what's happening at the ending. Because this, really does show you but i does say it even it's not even show don't tell it they tell you essentially through joel's dialogue here um and that that's different from the game the game is a little less clear they didn't know they were going to get a a sequel that was going to sort of address this sort of stuff as well and so whether or not this is a stronger or or weaker ending because of this scene or not i personally liked it i thought it was good yeah i thought um the when you do a TV show, you get great performances out of your actors, and these are some great performances out of their actors, and some great dialogue, and it was very telling and very touching. 
my criticisms of this episode are not the addition of that scene. Let me put it that way. It's the hospital stuff. In a sense, do you want to you want to get there first? We're yeah, so close. So, look, they're walking off. They're going through a few more jokes um, from from the joke book. The joke book being the last gift that Riley gave to Ellie, and it's like Riley. I really like the joke book because it's Riley bringing a smile to Ellie wherever mm. she is, and I think I think that's really, really sweet. Um, and the fact that she is willing to share that part of her. Mm-hmm. Something so sentimental with Joel really shows how she looks up at Joel. Um, they get gassed by uh, fireflies. Fireflies. Joel wakes <laughs> up. Uh, Ellie's gone. She's being prepped for surgery. Marlene's there saying, look, this is the journey's at an end. We can make a vaccine. We can make a cure. However, we've got to remove her brain. And usually that ends in death. Um, for those people who aren't too sure of biology out typically, there. Typically. Typically. Again, not a doctor. Not a doctor. <laughs> I'm just going to have to go on the show with what the show says. Um, and then Joel's obviously furious. And she says, walk him out to the freeway. Give him her knife and leave him. If he tries to fight, put a bullet in him. Uh, he's getting let out. And then he goes, full fucking John Wick red mist montage of him going room to room murdering uh fireflies not just armed fireflies but unarmed fireflies no mercy bullet to the head no survivors he has this glaze over look i saw him in a really really dark way uh mm. put some people on twitter he had the look of what you'd imagine a school should have the dark way to yeah. put it but yes you feel like cause he's got a his his history. We know he was a soldier pre-infection Storm, of the yeah. the outbreak, and then for a long time, him and Tommy were just going around, essentially mischief. killing people. Yeah, mischief. Sure, yeah. sure. I was going to say murder, um, but whatever. Whichever way you want to spin it. Ain't no um, loving drinking claws. You know what I mean? And we didn't see either of those parts of his life. Right? We never saw him as a soldier. We never saw him in between when we find him at in the start of episode. Before he meets Ellie. So you imagine this is that mode. He has gone back into a mode um, that he used to access when he was doing those parts in these parts of his life. Um, And it is scary to see because you've not seen it before, except for maybe, as you said, that part where he's like torturing those guys and on his way to save Ellie from David. I kind of thought a little bit different. I think we see that side of him when he's torturing those guys. This is something different. Sure. For that, he was, he was doing that for information. And in the past, he was doing it for food and for his oxy addiction, which wasn't explained any, any further. He was doing it for materials, for resources. In this, it's rage. He, he has gone to another level. He is basically is telling the world, any, you will never take Sarah places. away from me again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. that's why I love that they didn't let it go on too long. There was music playing over the top of it. It was graphic, it was violent, it was hard to watch, but it wasn't gratuitous. Mm-hmm. I think this is really, really well filmed. In the game, it's a little bit it's a little bit wonky. It could just be my playstyle. I'm very stealthy in games, so I can just part very slowly. This, this is the hard thing though when you're playing it in like you're as effective as uh Joel as you can be playing him, which yeah. may not be very effective. Um so you you're gonna get different interpretations or different versions of that 
sequence basically just depending on how you are as a gamer he didn't use a flamethrower a nail bomb like what are you doing <laughs> come on oh, a nail bomb would have been so good if... oh wait we did see a nail bomb um bill sets one off oh right uh, yeah yeah very good video game very good some flamethrowers there too oh yes oh yeah best <laughs> episode of the season multiple reasons <laughs> um he goes through he murders everyone he then goes into the room where ellie is being prepped for surgery the doctor there put the bullet straight to his head um, there are some nurses, one of them played by Laura Bailey, mm-hmm. um, who is in Last of Us Part 2, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was a really nice nice little nod. Uh, they actually have her in this scene. Of all this scene. Things. Not this giving scene. anything away, but this scene. Very, this very was the scene to have her. <laughs> very important, this scene. Uh, grabs Ellie, walks her to the car park to escape. He's carrying her just like he carried Sarah. Um, uh, Marlene comes out she's she injured at this point e- no 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 she's fine fo- yeah no she's fine here has a gun to him it's the exact same situation he was in with sarah there is yeah. somebody with a gun in him who thinks that they're doing the right thing and basically says you're killing us all um before we get to what he does here i'm gonna pitch the question mm-hmm. would you make the same decision as joel would you let Ellie be sacrificed without her knowledge. She was going to be put to sleep. She wouldn't. She wouldn't have felt any pain. It would have just happened. Or would you free her and lie to her? Or I guess there is a third option. Would you have given her a choice? Sure. Um. So this is this is this is the ongoing debate that's ever raged basically since the end of the first game. And the problem I've always had, and I've been pointed out to me, this might be the point. Right. The problem I've always had is not with Joel's choice. It is the lack of choices I'm given as a player. Right. So I I have no problem with the sequence of him going through the halls and especially when he's defending when I'm playing the game, you know, you're going to save Ellie. These people are, are killing her, uh, are going to kill her. She does not have a choice, right? And so you make your way through, you can see the vindication in that. The first time I played it. I got to this, the room where Ellie was in surgery and the doctor has a scalpel and I did everything I could to just take Ellie. <laughs> I literally just walked around and just was like, I don't want to kill the doctor. I've no, I've no beef with the doctor. He can't hurt me. Can I just like knock him out? Of course, if you go to do melee, you stab him with his own fucking scalpel. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Cause that I, I was looking for other alternatives here. And you don't get a choice in that moment. And, like, it's important because the choice that Joel makes in that moment is... But the thing was, there was no sequel at the point when I was make, playing that game either. And I, was, I found that very frustrating. It was like the game took away, made me kill someone I did not want to kill. Because otherwise I was happy with everything else he was doing. I would have killed all the dudes with guns on the way. I just wanted to pick up Ellie and get the fuck out of there. They're there. armed. They have guns. If they have a gun, they're... they're, they're- Fine, fine. But the, the nurses and the doctor were not armed, and the scalpel is not a threat to Joel. He can fucking disarm him, break his arm, shoot him in the kneecap, whatever, right? There are options in that sequence. Um, but I was not given that choice. And that was really tough, be- especially in a video game. This is one of the reasons I was looking forward to the show, because like when Joel makes this choice in the show, it's Joel making the choice, not me. Yeah. And I was fucking fine with it. I think it's why I... I'm always going to find the show superior, if nothing else, because that bit is extremely important. If it was just a fucking cut scene, like, spoilers for Metal Gear Solid 3, right? 
they make you kill a character at the end of that game. And you don't but, want to, and you wait. And, and you, you like, don't want off? to, but that is done so much more artfully to make you make that choice than it was in the video game of The Last of Us Part 1, is my personal feeling. Look, I agree, and I think it goes back to the one of the biggest weaknesses of the game is it was too much of a movie. It was trying to lead you to do very, very particular yes. actions in order yes. to fulfill the narrative, and that's why it leads yes. so well into a show. I, yes. I, I definitely see where you're coming from here. Um, that being said, would I have made the same choice Joel did? In in essence, yes. Would I have shot the Doctor? No. Would I do... I? Yeah, I can see... I, I wonder when I'm actually a parent if I'll feel even more this way. But I think, yeah, it it makes sense to at least give her the choice, right? Let Ellie be the one that chose. The lying part is interesting. Yes. But that's why... Yes. But that is also why after I was so fucking frustrated with that sequence and how that ended the, the action sequence with the hospital, that last scene oh, I thought was fucking great. A, a, a game that I had only kind of liked, I really loved that ending sequence. Yeah. And it made me excited for the idea of a part two because it's like, well, if they're going to build off that idea, then that's really cool. And just, they obviously did. So The idea of a part two. <laughs> um, anyway, does that make sense? Was that a good answer? Yeah, no, I'm not sure if no, I answered the question. I, I very, much, very much agree with what you have to say. Um, I... I feel like there's Don't a morally know. right answer. And I feel like the morally right answer is to save her. Sure. At whatever cost. Because, at, you know, you do kind of see the uh, the trees, not the forest sort of thing. You see that one person, they're the close. They, that is his world. He is, at that moment, he is saving the world. He's saving his world, though, not humanity. That's, that's the part, right? And that's, but this is where it's like, I, that's why I find the question of, would you have done what he did? to not be that interesting to ask. The point is that it is morally grey. It's like Ellie deserves to be saved. The world deserves to be saved. No two things can, they cannot both exist. And that is the the thesis that Last of Us puts up for us. What I think is more interesting is like, do you believe that Joel would make the decision that he did? And the show did such a good job of getting Joel to this point, not just because we see Joel's journey, but we see what happened with Henry and Sam. We saw what happened with Bill and Frank. We saw what happened with Tess. We've seen so many variations of this scenario take place that, yeah, this is exactly what Joel would do. It, it, it makes perfect sense. It also leans into himself saying that he's becoming weak because his rage at the end wasn't a show of strength. That was an ultimate show of weakness from him. That, that was self selfishness. The way he went about oh. that and stuff like that. That was him not being able to control himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas everyone else who, again, may have been forced to make decisions, made the decision, made the tough choice. He wasn't able to make the tough choice here. He went so with, you're saying with the easy Henry, choice. Henry's the superhero here, or Sam, I can never remember which one's which, sorry. The older brother. Yeah. I mean, he made the choice to kill- To kill Sam. His little brother, after doing everything in his power to save him at first, and then killed himself- Ultimately, yeah. as well, Tessa sacrificed herself to protect, uh. to protect not Joel, but she was protecting the idea of a a cure of of, cure. of hope. That's the bit I think. Well, it's funny. It's like, what is Tessa's line to him at the end? Is it save everyone, save everyone you can, or something? Or is it save? Just do me a favor and like say, like look after her or something like that. I think it's save as th- many as you can. Okay, because I was wondering whether it was the. I'm trying to remember if the emphasis was on Ellie, at which point he really is sort of doing what what Tess asked him to. 
or has he betrayed Tess's final wish in that yeah, last moment? Tess would have made the choice instantly. And said, Tess would have, definitely. Well, yes, Tess would have. I mean, Joel would have if this happened at the start of the game I or think the start of the show. Just the but type of person the um, point Tess is, is, as we know her at that moment. At that moment, absolutely. But that's the thing. The journey is yeah. what changed it. If this happened, if this happened in episode two, yeah, Ellie dies. But the whole point is the journey for Joel. Um, and I, I think it's it like the math adds up. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this is what I can say. The, he has full reasons to do it. I'm, I'm watching the show like Spock. You know, the needs of the many. Um, I totally like. You got to do it. But that's so easy. Again, that's what's easy to say. And this is where my, even my argument about the the choice being taken away from me to kill the doctor in the game is because I'm also doing this from, like, I'm not Joel. Like, it's a video game. I'm playing it for entertainment. I can choose to step away. I can turn the thing off and walk away and go back to my life. We are never really, even though we're playing the game in his shoes, in his situation. So even, even my argument about what I would or wouldn't do or would not it's only coming from a place of the comfort of my couch as I do it. And so it's insufficient. It's that I think honestly this is why the TV show version will be will be more palatable to me in the long run. Um and possibly I wonder if people feel the same way about part two. Because I know some of the big criticisms of part two is people didn't enjoy having to do things, basically continue to do the things that I struggled with at the end of it, of part one. Again, I haven't played part two much, but it's it continues with that theme and that thread of of making you do things you don't want to do. For anyone wondering about part two, so Neil Druckmann described part one as a story about love. Mm-hmm. Part two is a story about rage. So if you can imagine that this was love, you can imagine how dark thing. Part two is one of the most uncomfortable pieces of media I've ever been invested in. One emotionally powerful, like it is. It to me, it, it it's a must play game if you see games as more than just a kid's toy. Um, sure. to p- kind of project the medium forward, I think it, it is a crucial piece um, of that sort of um, argument, but it is not an easy one. So, weird question. How do you feel about the Modern Warfare 2 level no Russian? That's controversial. Do you remember that level? Yeah, yeah. So, you go through the, the airport and you kind of just mow people down. Yeah. How um, do you feel about like stuff like that? Fine with it. Because of, like we said, like what we spoke about um, with Invincible, these people that you're mowing down are—you've got no connection to them. They—they are, they are just pixels on the screen. If if I had, if I knew them, if they were introduced to me as people, be fine. I guess that you do get desensitized to taking down crowds of people um, in video games, but because I have, they are not fully fleshed out characters. Ah, I don't really. I'm like whatever. It's funny that that got a lot of criticism that level because you were playing as a, you know, you had the ability to just senselessly mow down civilians if you wanted to. The power I found in that level when I played it the first time was I didn't do that, but then I kind of was like, oh, I wonder what happens if I do it. I tried it and I felt bad doing it, so I didn't do it again, right? Like the power of actually the gameplay of it was something. And so what the way you're describing The Last of Us Part Two and like how uncomfortable it is or harrowing it is to play through it and that's what makes such an experience is the reason i don't particularly want to play it yeah and also the bit that i'm interested whether people are going to find the version on tv more palatable but if it will also be less effective like 
is playing through that and being forced to do it more powerful or will it work just as well if it's if it's a passive experience i want you to play i'm fascinated by it yeah for selfish reasons though because you you have a really good take on these things a very like mature view on these things i would like to hear what you have to say about part two because again i have this dumb reptile brain and i just look at it and say oh brain make me sad kind of thing um i think the word you used before harrowing is probably the right word to use for this uh like I said, I'm pretty sure I think about The Last of Us Part Two every fucking day. Mm. There are some moments in there, especially right, right at the end, that are really subtle thing that I don't think maybe. Whenever I've read reviews of people to discuss the game, not many people bring it up. But mm-hmm. To me, as somebody who's played music before, which is a okay. bit of a weird thing, um, it hit really, really hard. But before we get into Part Two stuff, let's wrap up. Um, Part one. Get yeah, wrap up the show. Wrap up the show. But they've been doing this for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Let's go. We still have a little bit more to go. Uh, I'll barrel through the end. Don't stress. Um, <laughs> they they drive home uh, or back to back to Jackson with Tommy is. Mm-hmm. They're having a bit of a discussion in the car. Ellie is suspicious of things, I guess, or she's confused. She woke up in a in a daze. Asked Joel what happened. He's like, "Look, there were dozens of people there like you." Um, the doctors tried. No, nope, there's no cure. They're going to give up. And then raiders came and killed everyone. Oh, no. Um, what an angry raider. She's like, oh, okay, sure, I guess. I'll go to sleep again. They're hiking. He's talking about how Ellie would have ridden like Sarah and Sarah would have ridden like Ellie and talking about how they're mm. different people, but they're so similar. I love this detail because it really paints, all of a sudden it paints the whole Joel-Ellie thing just a little bit ick. At like, yes. how much is he replacing, seeing her as a replacement for Sarah? And it's not really there until that moment and after he's done everything that he's done. And it, it really makes you reflect on that choice just that little bit more. It's like, yeah, it's just a little bit. Ugh. And then we have Ellie, um, kind of the culmination of her survivor's guilt. She brings up Tess and Henry and Sam and, um, and Riley and everyone who's been lost along the way. Um, and you definitely see that survivor's guilt in her eyes, basically saying, tell me, and I'll believe you, but tell me that what you're saying is the truth. And he says, yeah, it is. And she's like, okay. And the show ends. When I played the game, one of the things I always felt really wanky about talking about, and if you think I'm bad at articulating my thoughts on games and media now, I used to be much worse. Um, <laughs> so when I was trying to tell people about the ending of this game, and how there is a look in Ellie's eye that just says a thousand words. And it's mm-hmm. so well animated. Because you can see the, the insurmountable complex emotions going through her head. I can't believe Bella nailed that. Oh, I mean, I, I, at her this point face I can is just, because she's been so good. But yeah, it is perfect. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. What do you think of the, of the, of the ending before we, just, we start to wrap up? What did you think of the survivor's guilt, the lie, the journey? Uh, I love I love the ending. It is my favorite part of a, not including the DLC. It is my favorite part of the game. That like sequence at the end, I think, is perfect because it it um, it just puts the, the complexity of that moment is summed up of of what has happened in that in that last sequence is just summed up so perfectly. And that like especially when you didn't know you were getting a sequel, that <laughs> mix of doubt and i want to believe you so i'm probably going to choose to believe you in uh ellie's eyes is is so effective and what an amazing place to leave it 
Um, I'm really glad the TV show chose to. This is why I'm really glad they did basically exactly the same because it didn't need to change. If I had a criticism of the last episode, I remember we're choosing to watch this or or do something else. And I was like, oh, maybe we should do something else because I reckon this episode is going to be about an hour and a half long. They've got a lot to do, is my thinking. And then I looked at the runtime, it was 45 minutes. I'm like, what the fuck? 45 minutes. They're going to blitz through this. And then they spend the first five to 10 minutes with Ashley Johnson and then another 10 minutes doing the giraffe stuff and then up to the hospital. I'm like, they are out of fucking time. I think what it was less than here? that. I think it was like 36. No, it's it's like it was 45. remarkably like short, sure. this one. It's really, it was way too short. I was expecting this to be like a, a, a feature length episode. Oh, that's right. I've been watching the Oscars and I was looking at it. It's like, how long does this go for? Fucking 45 minutes. What the fuck? And I still believe that it felt to me like basically from the point they get flashbanged, they did not want to deviate from the game at all. It is so much like the game as to almost be a carbon copy. And I kind of think that's a little mistake because I feel like they've shown that they can make these moments breathe a bit more. I think for the sake of the television show, they could have given this something more. They could have, it doesn't need to be grander. It just needed a little bit more time to breathe and to feel the moment. It felt like it kind of, all the stuff in the hospital sort of rushed by me very quickly. Whereas in the game, when you're playing it, all those cutscenes might happen at the same pace, but because you're spending so much time in the hospital with Joel trying to get to Ellie, it, it, it kind of gave you that time and the show didn't. It was really odd to me. Um, I kind of wish they get, how do they get captured by the fireflies in the game? Do you remember? I think it's very much the same. I think they're flashbanged. That flashbang, he just wakes up in the hospital? Yeah, f- for memory. I kind of wish that wasn't how it happened. I kind of wish in the show they'd like knock him out as he's like falling, like going under. He sees them like dragging her away and her looking back like desperately towards him, not knowing what's going on or something yeah. like that. Like a little bit more of a moment. The last moment that he sees of her is her in pain. Yeah. I just, yeah, just a little something there just to, just even a bit more. And then. I don't know. There they, they just could be a little bit more time, a little bit more silence even leading up to the point where he goes nuts. Just, And it felt like the show just didn't want to add anything in case they were going to mess up the formula too much because the game got it so right. Um, that was my that was my big criticism of the ending. In the, in the game, that last combat sequence is pure gameplay and the gameplay is the weakest part of the game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what else they could have done with that what i really it didn't need to be during liked, the, it didn't need to be during the combat it could have been in the sequences when he's like when he's talking to marlene or after he's that talking whole to marlene, section like off the game is there's not much narrative to it the narrative's done no at that point what i would have liked to have seen when he was knocked out is another flashback back to the first episode the the talk show from the 60s had their question that expert i would have liked to have almost gone back to that and just seen because they said we'll be back after the break Mm-hmm. Imagine if they came back and they 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 pushed him further for questions. Like, what would happen if this if this, if this was to spread? And just give a little bit more. Like you know, this you wouldn't be able to defeat this. Like this this sort of infection is 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 king. Um, if if it does come to us, we're done. Just add a bit more to it. I I think that could have given it a really interesting breathing space. I Obviously, mean, Neil le- Druckmann leaving would have Leaving the question, uh, that might have felt a bit too uh, leaning into like, there's no hope. There's no point killing Ellie because they just can't. Oh, yeah. 
Stewart. I think you do need to leave the question open as to whether if it, he'd been they'd been allowed to go through it, it would have worked. Um, otherwise, there's no power in his choice really there. I don't think. Or even just get to Marlene um, talking to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "This will work." Like, sure, we're we're we're, we're, we're and, this, and this and and you can work. do it in a way where like he is trying to sell it, but you can tell that Marlene's he's like, not a hundred percent sure. Or she's not 100% sure. You know what I mean? There's, I think there's just, I don't know. I feel, I, I, I even want to, that, maybe that's the problem, right? Maybe they did this exact conversation. They sat down in that writer's room and it's like, okay, what do we need to add here? And every idea they came up with just wasn't quite right. And they were like, better off not fucking with it. Yeah. But it did just feel like a little bit like, it just felt so rushed. It felt like it went by so quickly. And I, I needed, I don't know, I needed a bit more. I felt like it lost some impact because it went, the whole thing went by so quickly. Well, before we start to wrap up, I did, like I said before, I did reach out to a few people who haven't played the game. I just wanted their, their mm-hmm. general thoughts on it. So this is my be- my friend, uh, Beck Scarsbrook. Um, I've never felt so represented by a show before. The way they included queer relationships without making them a trope or a cliche, but just human connections was so beautifully done. I've, I've been telling Beck, um, for her and her partner, me to watch the show together because... Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would really like left behind and they definitely did. She was shooting me messages after every, every single episode. Um, goes on to say, it didn't feel like you're saying a zombie show. The characters felt real and developed, even though a lot of them only appeared in one episode. I believed in them. I celebrated them. I feared some of them and I hated others. The show didn't seem too over the top either. For an apocalypse zombie show, there weren't actually many in there, but their presence mm-hmm. was um, felt even when they weren't showed. I love that. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is much more mm-hmm. focused on the people their journeys and connections more than violent and quote-unquote zombies. I love that they did that. Um, and stylistically, I think they nailed it. At times, I felt like I was playing a game and they approach, the approach to storytelling was more captivating than anything I've seen before. I felt included and more involved than I expected to be. It made me very, um, really want to play the game. She's going to play one and she's like, oh, should I play part two as well? <laughs> Beck, I love you, dude. Don't do it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be really interesting uh, to see how many people play the play part two now and how that will affect I mean, I'm, part two the show. Yeah, I'm. I think if you are thinking about two, but are getting advice like from Jesse saying not to, maybe wait until the show does it first, and then decide if you want to play the game or not. As you've probably heard from this episode, I'm. I will say some pretty fucked up things. I'll eat Joel whole. Um, <laughs> There's no S at the end of Joel's. He had no hesitation. No. No hesitation. I'll do it now. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, but even I'm like, oh, this, this game made me feel real, real uncomfortable. Um, Tristan Coombs said, the acting cannot be faulted. Bella Ramsey is by far the standout. They are just amazing. Their performance was emotive and honestly very moving to watch. As for Petra Pascal, all I have to say is, hey, daddy. Agreed. Mm-hmm. The story, however, for me was a bit all over the place. I needed more. There were too many episodes that introduced characters and they either died or were never heard from again. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's very different to other shows. Like, I'm just going to go back to a HBO show, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. where if you see a character, there's a chance you're going to see them down the track. In this, there's sure. only one, maybe, and it's Tommy. Um, I mean, Marlene was in the first episode in two and then she shows up at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she caps it off, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess this is what happens in a game um, to TV adaptation. Perhaps I am so used to the storytelling on Walking Dead. I'm sorry for your loss, Tristan. Um, and when there was no follow-up with characters, I was left wanting more. A game was not going to have the same character development as a TV show would. 
because there isn't time to do this, but I would have liked to have seen more character development. In terms of the main storyline, it was slower than I wanted. Episodes have jumped forwards and multiple times I thought, have I missed something? This could also be put down to the game versus TV adaptation, which I, I can definitely Yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a choice. I think it's like uh, yeah, you could you could see there are sequences like, oh, I wonder what happened there. And the likelihood is that they were just walking and camping, walking and camping, walking and camping, and not much else happened in between. And so they didn't feel like they needed to show you that. I think that's one of the strengths of TV, though, is that I I personally feel like too many television shows, particularly through the streaming age, particularly through the Netflix binge model released all at once, have just become big movies that are cut up arbitrarily into episodes and that episode television is at its strongest when it actually uses that episodic format to tell individual complete stories per episode. So like for me, The Last of Us was refreshing. It's why I've been loving Poker Face so much. I'm going to watch it. I've just, seen your tweets. I'm going to watch it. Oh, it's every, every, you could watch it. You can watch it all the way through and you'll get uh, a bit of an arc happening, but mostly you could just pick up an episode and I you'll have a good that. time. It, it won't matter because there's only one consistent character and that's Charlie Kale. And that is that used to be the norm. That's what like the the era of nineties television and before that was. There wasn't a lot of through. Happy Days didn't care too much about what happened in the previous episode to what happened in the next episode. Buffy changed that a little bit, but still it had its episodic structure. And I genuinely miss that. And I'm happy that that The Last of Us did that. I think the other thing about The Last of Us is it's a road trip as well, right? Like they're constantly moving, so you kind of need to expect they're going to meet people and then leave them behind and keep moving. If you don't love that, that's fine. That's a, that's up to you whether you like that style or not. But it I, um, nice I think it fits the genre. If they met maybe a few more characters and just left them. They didn't die. They just left. Like their journeys are separating and going different directions. There was that the, that lovely, uh, I think they were Native American Oh my couple. God. They did get- they're the best. Holy shit. That's the spinoff. Okay, can we just talk about the funny moments? Those two. And there was a scene that is normally in the whole build sequence in the game. And I didn't think they were going to do it. They did the start of the next episode. When they have his car, and they find the porn in the back. Oh, yeah. And yes, she opens yes, it up. Yes, like, how does he walk around with this thing? And then throw it out the window. Like, later, dudes. Ah, oh, so happy about that. Um, the We also left Tommy and um, that whole town behind as well. Like, they were people that we met. But, like, that's then, the only one, like, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pretty much. Sorry, just going back to Tristan's, uh, wrapping up Tristan's point. My biggest takeaway is that it's a show about survival and the relationships people made while trying to survive. For that aspect, the show is amazing. The evolution of the relationship between Joel and Ellie is the whole point of the first season. That itself is character development, but only for these two characters. Season one has laid the groundwork for this, so I won't need it in season two. Season two is going to be a trip for you, Tristan. And wrapping up, <laughs> my partner, Sophie Hilling, uh, her... Last of Us thoughts in dot point form because she is effective and efficient. Overall, <laughs> enjoyed it. Appreciate that. Would have preferred it if had lost the format of having flashbacks in every episode, which is actually what I thought they were going to do. So have, they have, have a lot they more flashbacks do it every episode. Every, every sure. episode. I, I kind of thought they were going to do that. Um, overall, needed another episode just to help flesh out the bond between Joel and Ellie and help with the overall ten- sense of time passing. I, I wouldn't have said no to another episode. I mean, I would take more. Um, I, I think the whole David thing should have been a two-parter, kind of like um, uh, uh, Sam and Henry. I, I think I think I would have replaced the, f- I would have condensed the Sam and Henry thing down to one episode and and turned that episode other episode into something else, a bit of bonding or something oh, like yeah, that. Or it yeah. could have been the aftermath of that because there is a lot of conversation that happens of 
mm-hmm. them trying to comprehend what just happened. Um, goes on to say, very curious how show is received by those unfamiliar with the game, seeing it as the clickers take such a back seat. Well, Sophie, good news. The last five minutes, I've been talking about that. And missed the sewer sequence. She was visibly angry when there wasn't more stuff that happened in the sewers. <laughs> um, because, like I said, she's been dating me. She likes herself a sewer monster. Uh, you like what you like. This is perhaps the longest episode we've ever done. This is, I mean, what you did, you made, we have made the rookie mistake. I've been make, making my podcast talking about TV. When you do it episode by episode, this is what happens. This is how we used to start our podcast. We gave up on that because they all ended up being three-hour catastrophes. Well, maybe not catastrophes, I ain't even monsters. mad. I've, I've been <laughs> needing to debrief about this show with somebody. Um, and I, I'm glad I'm glad it was you because uh, you definitely know how to talk about these things. So very much appreciate you. Uh, you're jumping on. Thank you for having me. No, I was, uh, I was looking forward to talking about it. I'm, um, it's a shame that some of the others couldn't make it, but I'm glad that we got to chat about it. Jesse, it was I'll a miss good Joel. time. Yeah, yeah. I'll miss him. I've yeah. got leftovers, so I guess I'll see him. <laughs> Whenever Joel's on an episode, we, I just like talk shit about him. It's, 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 it's with love. If you want to hear more of that shit talking, we are on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting services. Search for story mode podcast or our video game centric show dialogue options also while you're there you can also check out broderick's fantastic show that hasn't ended yet very nearly oh, you never very know nearly. you've been saying that hunting's, i don't know yeah hunting yeah, season no well this i'm essentially making a hunting theater episode right now with you i'm just replacing i'm not letting it die okay <laughs> no i can tell um check out hunting seasons he's got uh some more in-depth thoughts on some of your uh, favorite and maybe even least favorite seasons of television. Mm-hmm. So come check mm-hmm. them out. Leave a review. Leave a like. Leave a subscription. Uh, of course, you can follow us at Story Mode AUS. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Keep up to date with everything we're doing. You can follow me individually at Jesse Spanner and Prod. Where are you on Twitter? On Twitter at B Gordes. B G O R D E S. Come give us a follow. Come. Tell us what you thought of The Last of Us Season 1 and what you hope from Season 2. But with that... Oh, very quickly. They did announce, it sounds like, Part 2 is going to be split into at least two seasons. seasons, Yeah, so which I think is the right... I mean, I'm sure HBO are happy with that because they want more of this show that's making them a lot of money. But There are are parts in Part 2 that I really hope they let breathe more than the game did. Because they introduce some really interesting things and they don't do much with it. Do you, do you think there is an obvious no point to like cut it off and go, that's the end of season two, oh. this will be season three? I've been thinking about that all day since, the, since I heard about the announcement. I may have to play the game again, but top of my head, no. Mm, Narratively. However, from the point of a blockbuster TV show, yes. Okay. Um, there is there is a spot they could end it if they chose to. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. For those who have played the game, I mentioned a rap before, so you probably understand what I mean. Oh, that's a good tease, isn't it? No idea. Mm. But we'll leave you there. Um, thanks for sticking around for 14, 15 hours. Um, if you've <laughs> had a lot, if you if you flying from under Melbourne to Perth, you've had some to listen to. Enjoy. But we'll catch you next time. Go play some games, watch some movies. You do you, boo. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Mwah, but tendrils.